We're just learning how the IDF is a bunch of mercenaries. Also look at their former prime minister's Boomer country Boomer liked origin. my video. American. Ukrainian. Jordan Rivers. Russian. Uanian. Ariel Sharon. He's from Poland. Shimon yeah, Paris. you get the point. Poland. What about the soldiers? Switzerland. American. Sweden. From Brooklyn, New York. From Los Angeles, California. From Miami, Florida. From Palo Alto in the San Francisco Bay Area. From San Francisco. Arrived in Israel four months ago from Cape, Cape Town, South Africa. Atlanta, Georgia. Florida, USA, Tampa Bay. My name is Eitan. I'm a lone soldier from Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Hannah Linder. I'm from West Hempstead, Long Island. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. And something that we take very seriously is hospitality. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. Looks like fucking Palestine. Do you have an ugly house you want to get sold fast? That's weird. I recently... There's While the bankers waited, Obama kept his own counsel. For the economy, this is what freefall feels like. When will the recession end? Well, to help us the nation's top like bankers were summoned to the White House. Invited 15 of the bank after leveling some very harsh words at bank to the White House. The president wanted to talk to them. Looking for accountability from Motivated the nation's investor. Thirteen bankers were called into a room to meet with the president of the United States. They were told that they were going to be chastised, that this was going to be the opportunity for the president to vent the public's anger. Mm -hmm. They had some of the largest banks in the country. Throughout the crisis, they had received massive Motivated Walking investor. into that meeting, these guys have not been this nervous since they're in nursery school. Huh. Yeah, right. They're ultimately powerful, sovereign men atop their institutions, but now they know that they really could get whacked. But did they? Probably not. No one knew what to expect. Summer's bold action or Geithner's cautious encouragement. Now they'd find out what the new president wanted to do. Obama comes in and he's all business. Obviously, my no bailouts with the exchange. fucking banks. Obama spoke first. The president made it pretty clear when when he talked to us. You know, we're between you and the pitchforks, guys, and uh, you need to just acknowledge that the bankers have essentially made a decision that they're prepared to go along with what needs to be done to resolve this problem, to get the public back on the side of corporate America. But as the meeting progressed, to their astonishment, it became clear the president was in no mood for confrontation. While the bankers waited, Obama kept his own counsel. For the economy, this is what freefall feels like. When will the recession end? Well, to help us the nation's top bankers were summoned to the White House. Invited 15 of the bankers after leveling some very harsh words at banks to the White House. The president. Banksters. Looking for accountability from the nation's banking leaders. Today, President Obama. Thirteen bankers were called into a room to meet with the president of the United States. They were told yeah, what happened? that they Nothing. were going to be chastised, that this was going to be the opportunity for the president to vent the public's anger. Fucking nothing. Big nothing burger. Waited. Obama kept his Big own nothing counsel. burger. For the economy, this is what freefall feels like. When will the recession end? Well, to help us the nation's top bankers. They all got bailed out. Invited 15 of the bailey after leveling some very harsh words at banks to the White House. The president wanted to talk to them. Looking for accountability from the nation's bank. Because every single one of you that are on earth now, in some way, shape, or form, 
chose to be on earth now because you knew that you would be going through a transition and a transformation at this time in your planet's history. And on some level, in some way, you wanted to participate. You wanted to be a part of that because it's a very exciting place to be right now. <clears throat> As you say in your language, it's where it's happening. <laughs> it is one of the most highly focused places right now that we are aware of in creation for the idea of transition and transformation. <clears throat> it is one of the few places that has gone as deeply into the dark as you have that we are aware of. And thus then, when a planet, when a civilization, when a collective consciousness can allow itself to experience such a great degree of darkness and yet still find its way to the light, that is special. That is powerful. And believe me, you attract the attention of many other beings from many other dimensions to see how you did it, how you're doing it, because that's exciting, because that's creation in the making. That's raw creation, going from absolute dark to absolute light. That's creation in a nutshell. So thank you. For your strength, for your commitment, for your willingness to go through this transition. It's a powerful thing to have done, and it shows you, just by being where you are, it shows you how powerful you actually are. So never lose sight of that. To be where you are on Earth at this time means you are powerful beings who knew what you were doing when you chose this reality, and even though you have forgotten that you knew what you were doing, you still know what you're doing. <laughs> we are sometimes asked, why people choose to incarnate in physical reality on Earth. And there are as many reasons as there are people. But generally speaking, it's an exciting place to be, especially now in this age of transformation. Many people want to experience the idea of change and discovery. Remember that in a timeless state, you cannot experience change. You cannot experience discovery of new perspectives. So by forgetting, in essence, who you are as a spirit, as a greater being, you can learn through a process of physical space-time reality how to rediscover yourself anew from a different perspective. And when you create the idea of the space-time framework, you give yourself an opportunity to experience the process of creation. Process, feedback, feedback, vibration. And I'm partnering with Upwork to tell you. It's the first time I believe that I have informed you. Protect IC, WA. Residential schools never cease to exist. What if, after the, the practice that was ended by the Indian Child Welfare Act, which the Supreme Court is set to overturn, what if, in the years since it was enacted and now, residential schools just changed the shape? What if they had a rebrand? Well, if they did, I'm here to tell you exactly what they would look like. They would look like, and they would be marketed as, and I'm quoting from a website, Wilderness Residential Schools. I'm talking about the Triple Teen Industry. I'm talking about corporate-owned programs that, over the last couple of years, got a lot of criticism and allegation of things like child labor exploitation and children. Scale system of re-education here for ages. 
So that I don't have to endure capitalism, right? This is, I'm, I work out. In October of 2015, a 39-year-old man named Richard Jones walked along the perimeter of the yard inside of the state prison in Kansas, where Richard was serving time for a robbery. And so as Richard continued his walk in the direction of the basketball court, he saw one of the guys on the blacktop broke free from the group and began moving towards Richard. And Richard immediately recognized who it was. It was his good friend, Steve. And Richard was about to give him a friendly wave when he noticed Steve looked really mad. And as he got closer, Richard could see Steve's fists were balled up and his face was in a scowl. I mean, Steve looked like he was coming over to fight Richard. And he said, Steve, what's going on? Why are you so upset? And so Steve walks right up to Richard and he goes, oh, so now you want to talk to me. Richard was immediately confused and kind of turned his head sideways and was like, what? Steve stared at Richard, kind of expecting Richard to eventually apologize or something, but eventually he noticed that Richard really was not sure what he was talking about, and so Steve was like, this morning, I went up to you at the cafeteria line, I tried to talk to you, and you completely blew me off and walked away in front of a big group of people that really embarrassed me and made me look bad. And Richard was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't even see you this morning. I, I don't know where this is coming from. Steve was not buying it, and he was like, Richard, I know it was you. I saw you this morning. I spoke to you this morning. You did that. And Richard was like, no, really, Steve, I I'm sorry. I have no idea what this is about. Steve just said, you know what, Richard, fine. I guess I must have made a mistake. No big deal. And he turned, and he ran back to the basketball court. After Steve had left, Richard continued his walk around the perimeter, but that exchange with Steve had really weirded him out because this was actually not the first time something like this had happened. It all started a month ago when an inmate that Richard didn't know came up to him like he definitely knew him and said to Richard, you know, hey, how's your grandmother? I heard she fell down, you know, is she okay? And at first Richard was like, wait a minute, is my grandmother okay? Did she fall? But then Richard eventually realized that this inmate thought Richard was someone that he wasn't. Now, at first Richard thought this was just kind of like a weird one-off event. But every few days after this first time, something else would happen. And so after Richard's interaction with Steve, Richard began to think, you know, wait a minute, is someone me? Is that what's been going on? The next morning during breakfast, Richard decided someone warning me. Richard decided Richard decided that this inmate thought Richard was someone that he wasn't. Now at first, Richard thought this was just kind of like a weird one-off event. But every few days after this first time, something else would happen. And so after Richard's interaction with Steve, Richard began to think, you know, wait a minute, is someone me? Is that what's been going on? The next morning during breakfast, Richard wait, decided not to sit where he normally did. And instead, he sat on the very far side in the corner of the cafeteria to basically just be able to people watch all the people inside the cafeteria. When he noticed something very strange on the other side of the cafeteria. And when he saw it, he just stood up and stared. And he felt his heart starting to race faster, and he felt his breath speeding up. And Steve actually was sitting next to him and said, Hey, Richard, what's going on? 
and Richard couldn't even find the words. He just raised his arm up and pointed to the other side of the room. When Richard had originally been arrested 16 years earlier, it was for robbing someone in a Walmart parking lot. Richard had always claimed he did not do it, but multiple witnesses had pulled Richard out of a lineup saying, that's the guy. And the woman who actually got robbed told police she overheard the getaway driver yelling to Rick, the man who had robbed her, to get in the car so they could leave. But that night in the jail cafeteria, when Richard spotted something on the other side of the room, suddenly everything over the last 16 years made perfect sense. Richard really was an innocent man. He did not rob that woman in the Walmart parking lot. His doppelganger had. And it just so happened that Richard's doppelganger, who was this man named Ricky Amos, just happened to be sent to the same prison that Richard was at for a totally unrelated crime. These two men have never met. There's no connection whatsoever. They just looked the same. And when Richard looked across the cafeteria and saw Ricky, it was like looking at a clone of himself, and it all clicked. All the people that were coming up to him saying, you were doing this and acting weird, well, those people, Stephen included, were actually interacting with his doppelganger, Ricky. And 16 years earlier, Ricky was the one who committed that robbery in Walmart, and the victim and the witnesses, they all confused Ricky for Richard. Here are Richard and Ricky's photographs side by side. Once a judge was made aware of this situation and saw the two photos side by side, he knew the police had made a mistake. Even the prosecutor who had tried Richard in the robbery case supported his release. Richard was freed in 2017 and got a $1 million settlement from the state. As for the doppelganger, Ricky Amos, he was never actually tried for the robbery 16 years earlier because by the time they figured out he was the robber, the case was too old to try. In October of 2015, a 39-year-old man named Richard Jones walked along the perimeter of the yard inside of the state prison in Kansas where Richard was serving time for a robbery. And so as Richard continued his walk in the direction of the basketball court, he saw one of the guys on the blacktop broke free from the group and began moving towards Richard. And Richard immediately recognized who it was. It was his good friend, Steve. And Richard was about to give him a friendly wave when he noticed Steve looked... Everybody is losing their minds about Nikki Haley talking about the fact that we're going to have to raise the retirement age. I mean, she's saying it out loud. But there is not one person in politics who doesn't agree with her. But this is just a fucking dog whistle to divide us generationally. Because it's basically, save the boomers! Fuck the sugar badger! This is the shit they say to us to drive us to vote to fuck each other over. They're not gonna, they're not gonna do a damn thing. We can barely get anything voted on in our current political system. We've got like a six year backlog. Even if they were all serious about fixing this, they wouldn't get it done for like another 16 years, even if they started today. Also by their estimate, social security is supposed to run out in 2041. That estimate is by their accountants and auditors, the same ones that lose a billion dollars a year in the Pentagon. We just can't find that billion. So realistically, that number is probably closer to like 2032. Now, a quick history lesson. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid were put in as social nets. They were supposed to catch you so you didn't end up on the street. For some, it was enough that you could survive, but like it wasn't going to be comfortable, but it was going to be better than the curve. It was expected that most would pay in to distribute. They would get some back but they would also use their savings, their family would help them out kind of stuff. Talk to anybody currently living off Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid? Mm, it's not what you would call surviving. Now, one, it, in some ways it does make sense to raise the age. 
hold your horses. You'll notice that they don't bring up the math behind that number because they're also lowering the age in which you can enter the job market. So in a state like Arkansas, you know, at 15, <laughs> let's say 12, you can go work in the meatpacking plant. 12 to 70, your will to live at 70 is going to be non-existent. If you have managed to keep any of your body parts working that close to that kind of machinery for that many years because they keep on fucking pulling back safety standards so make that make sense raise the age but also lower the age and yet somehow we still can't manage to afford it even though more people will pay in for longer yet the boomers are the largest generation so once they're gone it shouldn't be a problem right no wait no you guys haven't actually done that fucking math at all Tip. There are still some boomers left in the workforce. A lot of them who could afford to retire did. Most boomers cannot afford to retire, and they won't. So stop with your boomers just quit. Life in the office would be better. Shut the fuck up. If they didn't have to be there, they wouldn't be. They can't leave. But with boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Alpha, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, nobody's moving up the corporate ladder. Everybody is like, oh, but then I can get there at boomer level, and then I can say, no, you can't, because if they're there and they can't fucking afford to leave, it doesn't matter if you get there. At some point, Gen Y and Gen Alpha will just turn around and fucking realize it ain't worth it. Can't afford their cars, they can't get houses, they can't afford an education, they can't afford, you know, to retire, can't afford to eat, certainly can't afford medical. They're just gonna fucking quit. Why put in 60 years of service when you literally can't afford anything on your own? You can just get fired now, trip onto food stamps, and probably net more than Social Security would make you. Oh no, what's the threat? I won't be able to retire? No shit, Sherlock. It's also, the U.S. is dropping from like a second world country down to like a third. Our life expectancy rates, pre-COVID were dropping. In COVID, they dropped further. What with our stress, our shit diet, our for-profit healthcare, and then that thing we pretend that doesn't exist. What is it? Yeah, fucking COVID. Our life expectancy is going down it's not like we're working to fix anything that would make it go back up the pre-covid men were expect or white men were expected to die on average at 76.1 women held or white women held out to 82.3 years and then minorities were you know below those numbers the black man is expected to die at 69.8 and you raise the retirement age to 70 that means you know that a significant number of minorities will never make it to retirement age so you don't actually have to fix anything because they will spend 60 years paying into it and never collect out of it benefiting who white people oh and asian women their life expectancy is 85 years go girls but also remember if 2041 is really the year that this is going to run out our government which never fucking fixes anything to the last possible moment will wait until the election right after but just seconds before 2041's failure date like in the movies where you defuse a bomb with three seconds left that's how our government works it's at that moment that they would actually be like hey you know what we're gonna privatize this welcome to fidelity you can fuck off any chances of retirement ever but here's your login so you can double check that but really if you want to make something productive out of this every fucking time they talk about it a time they say retirement age sit down and spend five minutes thinking about how we can build a community because the only way we are going to be able to retire is if we all take care of each other yeah i know it's going to drive you crazy but like community care community doctors 
community farm. They are not interested in fixing it. They are just fucking interested in dividing us, not talking about the issues, and making sure that they drive everybody to the pole to save my generation. So slush fund. We're all equally fucked. Like, literally, boomers are telling you they can't afford to retire, and you're like, fuck the boomers! No, they're literally warning you, like, no, there's no money up here. Come on up if you must. There ain't anything up here for you. Seriously, nobody's coming to save us. We have to start looking into how to save ourselves because clearly our politicians are not going to help. They're not going to help. But you are going to fund their pension so they can retire. They don't even need that money because they're going to go work for the company that's making sure that they're getting paid anyway right now. Lobbying firms pay well enough that they can afford to retire. So that's them screwing you over, going to work for the lobbying company, which pays them enough that they can afford to retire, then using their government pension, and then eventually collecting Social Security that you pay for. Maybe we should all just go into politics. Just all of us collectively. But seriously, figure out how to become a community. It's the only way to save us. The only way. Not Nancy Pelosi. He mentioned me multiple times in that scenario. The concern I have is... I'm not saying anything derogatory, but when you're dealing with the pressures of a presidency, we can't have someone else that we question whether they're mentally fit to do this. We can't. I don't get it. I mean, at, at what point does, why now? Michael, let's talk some hard truth this morning. Nikki Haley declared last February 14th. It's 50 weeks in, and 50 weeks she had to make this case against Donald Trump. I don't believe that her current arguments are a case of conviction. I think it's convenience and desperation. It's the only argument she has left. Donald Trump gave her this gift. She would not be making this argument if Donald Trump had not stumbled. And you put all that together, and I think we're looking at Nikki Haley, and we just have to realize she's not really the real deal. She probably will outlast Ron DeSantis, at least by the numbers she should. Not Nancy Pelosi. He mentioned me multiple times in that scenario. The concern I have Chris is Christie I'm shouldn't not have dropped out. Derogatory, but when you're dealing with the pressures of a presidency, we can't have someone else that we question whether they're mentally fit to do. Diaper Don is a grifter. Saying, uh, I'm not really sure about what is my purpose. Basically, anything also can, yeah. And one of the purpose is to experience the joys of life. Is to be happy. It's not that difficult. Just to enjoy something. But you know what happens? We analyze things too much. When we analyze things too much, we make ourselves unhappy. We put ourselves in very difficult situations. A lot of things cannot do. Then we have financial problems. Then we have a lot of emotional problems. Then we have drama happening. So, right? yeah. And all this is caused by an internal issue. Whereas externally, everything is okay. So you don't get to live every day. That's the problem. So we have to change that. That's where spiritual achievement comes in. Spiritual what? Look, it's not this judge's job to listen to a 77-year-old man throw a temper tantrum during trial. And more importantly, it is his job to make sure that those temper tantrums don't infect the jury. And it's no surprise to me that Judge Kaplan's patience with this defendant is wearing thin right now. I do think that Trump, you know, he, he has the power with a tweet with a statement to call off these attacks on Jean Carroll, on Judge Kaplan in this case, on Judge Chutkin, who there's already been a credible threat and an FBI arrest of someone over that judge who's presiding over the January 6th trial of Donald Trump. Um, I mean, he has the power to end all this, and he never does. And to me, that's the most unforgivable thing 
as those of us who served in government in high positions, we know sometimes stray remarks can cause all sorts of collateral consequences and threaten people. And you fix that right away. The moment that you think that you said something that might induce someone to do something wrong, you get out right ahead of it and you do and you fix it. And Trump has had chance after chance after chance. What has he done? He's let that intimidation proceed just as he did on January 6th. It's the same MO over and over again, now deployed against an older woman and an older judge. Look, it's not this judge's job to listen to a 77-year-old man throw a temper tantrum during trial. And more importantly, it is his job to make sure that those temper tantrums don't infect the jury. Sister for prayers. Oh, shit. You gone? Hi there, we're listening to TikToks. Trying to. They don't want you. Video the Miami alien stabilized. How have I not heard about this? My dad's a police officer in Miami. And I mean, like, he's even running for sheriff, and I, I just talked to him. He didn't say anything about that. Hey. Hey, do you, uh, have you been seeing the alien stuff? Did you see that at, at Bayside? Uh, Are you serious? Uh, you're, you're joking. You're joking. Yeah, because it's fake. Talk about it? Because it's all fake. Can you at least say, like, whatever? So, okay, so they're saying it's like a... officer in Miami and I mean like he's even running for sheriff and I, I just if you can't clearly see that mother earth is doing something very crazy I don't know what to tell you this video just came out and it's a clear quartz that is busting through the roadway these are crystals that are coming out of the ground yeah cool. please someone explain to me how this happened a couple weeks ago, awesome. I made a video about my garden growing flowers in the middle of fucking December. And then last week, I saw a video of a man saying that he was catching grasshoppers in the mountains of Colorado. Baby grasshoppers in January in Colorado. Then I saw another man who was a farmer who was saying that his whole entire ground should be permafrost. And guess what? It's not. It was just soggy, wet ground, which he said was going to rot the trees. And now we're watching clear quartz bust through the mill 
of a road. Still think everything's okay? Harris, Marie. Still think everything is alright. Because if you do, you're the fucking Looney Tune at this point. You're the conspiracy theorist. If you can't clearly see that Mother Earth is doing something... Called the Supernatural Suspense Thriller Ghost Rider, an early sample of feature length promo producing in rotoscope animation. PJ. Scene 4. Stairs. Good evening, Buenas Noches. I'm going to be taking my account private for a while. There's just craziness going on on TikTok right now and mass reportings and all kinds of things. And I've obtained two strikes in the past 24 hours for videos they say they've banned that are not missing and are not banned. They're still up. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, like I said in a previous video, I think there's like a mass attack on liberal creators going on. And something is definitely amiss on TikTok. And I don't want to lose this account. I have too many of you lovely friends and followers. So you will continue to see my videos because you are a friend or follower. Um, but new people won't be able to see them for a while. So just don't want to lose my account. I've got way too many people I don't want to lose track of on here. So y'all have a good evening, and I will see you tomorrow. Good evening, Buenas Noches. I'm going to be taking my account private for a while. All right. At some point, what... That was T, by the way. At some point, what is happening in Gaza... We will tell our children Israel slaughter kids Israel in will Palestine. Israel forced to stop, or more likely, they will pull out themselves and say... We have accomplished what we needed to in Gaza. But I want Israel to know something. We will never forget what we saw you do. And we will never forgive you. We will teach our children of a land that once existed called Israel that slaughtered children on purpose. Because that is who you are. And that will be your legacy. I will let's test your law school knowledge. Okay. I don't know if you heard. Mel a Chicago guy who is suing 27 women for posting negative things about him on this website about guys you're dating. Mm -hmm. Bad lawsuit. Why? <laughs> they defamed him. They said all these nasty things about him. They called him clingy. <laughs> yeah, um, but in order to be successful in a defamation claim, it needs to be a statement of fact. Being clingy is just an opinion. 
What if he is clean? Is that a defense? <laughs> is it true? What if it is? Truth is a defense. Okay. <laughs> what about Facebook? Why can't you sue Facebook? I mean, they're the ones who posted this nonsense. They're actually immune from uh, being sued through a, some kind of law. I don't know the name of it, but some kind of uh, law that's saying someone else is posting their opinions about them and not actually Facebook has the so you can post things on Facebook about somebody as long as they're true. What if I post things that aren't true, that are, that are a lie? Can are they facts? Are they statements of facts? They're statements of facts, but they're lies. Can I do that? I don't know. What do you think? I don't think you can post defamatory lies about somebody that aren't facts. I think it's a very hard website. thing to prove. If it's a fact or not? Yeah. Saying about this guy is just like opinions. He's crazy. He's clingy. How are those facts? Okay, I get it. I don't disagree. I don't so lawsuit's probably going nowhere. Probably. Okay. I mean, I think you should go to a new town, maybe. Well, that's the only thing. He brought so much attention to himself by doing this, it probably backfired. Yeah. yeah. You know what it sounds like? Poor guy. You know what it sounds like? He's a little clingy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Comment below. Right, Alana? Comment below. Of two attorneys finding different angles from the loophole. Okay. Like it might I don't be know if you heard, like but there's people. a Chicago guy. <laughs> As a car reviewed my profile. Interdimensional <laughs> aliens and portals. Ohio, Las Vegas, Miami. Active interdimensional portals. That was the night I called the place we saw their arrival. It was in a teardrop-shaped balloon. It was humongous. It was across the street, hovering two frequency sounds coming from it. It moved across the street and it vanished. Later that night, these appeared at the back of my yard. Now, I'm going to zoom in. What appeared? For those of you who are saying people are faking this alien stuff, you guys, my story is real. My encounters are real. They came to my neighborhood in 2021 and it's just been non-stop three houses they arrived to Our, ours was the first house a couple houses down and then uh further down the road because right? we heard the doorbell ring i don't have a doorbell it was some type of signal they gave that they were there you understand what i'm saying yeah where's the facts this is my security camera you guys picking this You don't understand what ETs are and extraterrestrials and interdimensionals. Ron DeSantis has officially dropped out of the presidential race. And it turns out Ron DeSantis and I have something in common. I too turn to inspirational quotes to justify spending a shit ton of money and wasting it on absolutely nothing. I'm more of a c'est la vie kind of gal, but Ron DeSantis decided to go with Churchill, which was a weird choice considering how against fascism Churchill was. But whatever. <laughs> Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. For some reason, I <laughs> so think a Yogi Berra quote would have been more appropriate. They quit too. Something like, you wouldn't have won if we'd beaten you. <laughs> Along with sticking his tail between his legs, Ron DeSantis used his creepy smile to tell the world that he's endorsing and backing Donald Trump. I'd start looking over my shoulder, Ron, because I have a feeling he's going to grab you any second now. Right by the... Because you talked a lot of shit.
Let's take a walk down memory lane. <laughs> In regards to Trump, DeSantis quipped, we don't need any more presidents that have lost the zip on their fastball. He said the party's nomination shouldn't be a coronation, especially for anybody that couldn't even stop Joe Biden. Burn. For that time that he said Trump's administration's spending set the stage for the inflation. Thanks for letting us know. For that time, he got his panties in a twist when asked about Donald Trump's fundraising numbers, having said, well, why is he raising that money? And where is that money going to? Isn't it going to a lot of lawyers? Burn. <laughs> For that time, he said that Donald Trump has a pattern of running on things that he doesn't do. And so much more. <laughs> I guess now he gets to crawl back to the swamplands known as the state of Florida. After being MIA for almost a year, the citizens of the state of Florida are probably like kids who had their dad walk out on them, leaving them with a dumpster fire of problems because he thought there was something better out there for him. Awkward. How much you want to make about he's going to start his beef up with Mickey Mouse again? Just to feel tough. I told you, Ron, a long time ago, you're nothing but Donald Trump's little bitch boy. And instead of just coming out and saying, I believe in every single thing that I have said about Donald Trump, you're all in a cult. Hold on, you did say that. But instead of reinforcing that point, you decided to endorse him. Pretty spineless. Anyways, bye. Ron yes. DeSantis has oh, officially dropped out of the presidential race. Hey everybody, especially on TikTok, this is uh, who I'm directing this video to. I Clark Frederick. have been posting on social media for a while, but I stayed away from TikTok. Everybody told me TikTok was like the wild, wild west of social media. People are on there are brutal. They're going to tear you apart. Huh. I've got a story of molestation at the hands of my Boy Scout leader, who is also a lieutenant in the local sheriff's department. He moved groomed me for years, groomed my family, molested me, raped me. Oh. It derailed my life. I led this self-destructive life. I ended up murdering him. I went to prison for five years. Oh. I decided to take my life in a whole new direction. I decided to give back to others. So they didn't follow in my footsteps. I want to help people heal and grow and inspire them. I've got a documentary coming out, multi-episode documentary. I've got a book with Simon & Schuster that's coming out soon. I'm going to be doing online coaching in the next two months. And I've just recently started posting to TikTok in the last two weeks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my followers have grown to 2,000 already. And the responses have been amazing. <laughs> I've had I've had a couple jerky ones. Uh, I just don't know where people's minds are. But for the ninety nine point nine percent of you, I humbly and gratefully say thank you for listening to the horror of my life and giving me support and not being a keyboard warrior and, and tearing me up online. I would have came to TikTok a hell of a lot earlier had I known you were going to be so kind to me. <laughs> I just didn't feel like 
I stayed away for years because I, I just didn't feel like uh, at the time yeah. dealing with Must idiotic nice. comments. But I have not faced them. I've had maybe two or three. clips and uh, let's get people to heal and come out of their darkness and start stop self-destructing all right peace everybody media for a while but I stayed away from TikTok everybody told me TikTok was like the wild wild west of social media people are on there are brutal they're gonna made a video recently saying why I am a Democrat. And the common response I get is, you sound like a Republican. You believe that. You must be a Republican because that's what Republicans believe. And my reasons I'm a Democrat, there's four reasons. It's because I believe in the working class. I believe in a clean environment. I believe in investing in the future. And I believe in freedom. And I don't think Republicans stand for those. If you listen to Republicans talk, they talk about how they oppose regulations. What is a regulation? That is a rule that all businesses have to follow. And those rules typically have four goals. Those rules are meant to protect employees, protect consumers, protect the environment, and protect the economy at large. So they put rules in place to protect employees, to make sure those employees get a fair wage, a safe job site, paid time off, and access to health care. Democrats support that. Republicans don't. They don't think that employers should have to provide those things. Um, Democrats believe that we should have rules in place to protect the environment so big multi-million dollar corporations can't pollute the air and the water and destroy open spaces. Republicans don't support those regulations. They believe big corporations should be able to do whatever is in the corporation's best interest. Democrats believe we should have regulations to protect consumers so that regular people don't get ripped off by big companies. Republicans oppose that. They want to do away with the regulations that protect regular people. Democrats support regulations to protect the economy, to make sure that big banks aren't gambling with the economy and sending us into a recession for their own private greed. Republicans want to repeal those regulations. Those are reasons I support Democrats, because I think Democrats do more for the environment, for the working people, for consumers, and for the economy. I support Democrats because I think Democrats believe in investing in the future to leave a better world for future generations. By investing in education, job training programs, and infrastructure, and research and development so the United States can lead for generations to come. Republicans, they oppose spending. Um, instead of spending on these things, I like to call it investing, they want to give tax cuts to rich people. They believe that if we let rich people have more money, then the money's going to trickle down. The problem is that that never actually happens. So instead of just giving money to rich people and hoping it trickles down to everybody else, I believe in investing in education and infrastructure and research and development. America can lead for generations to come if we invest in the future. I believe in freedom. Uh, Republicans talk a lot about believing in freedom, but when the rubber meets the road, they oppose freedom. Freedom means the ability to be like me, but it also means the ability to be different than me. Republicans believe that the law should enforce traditional values and Christian morality. I'm a Christian, and I'm pretty traditional. 
but I don't believe all people should be like me. I believe that people should be able to be different than me if they want to. I want to be able to follow my morals. I want to be able to follow my Christian teachings, but I don't believe we should use the power of government to force other people to do those things. They should do it because that's what their heart, their conscience tells them to do. People should be free to live how they want as long as they don't harm other people or endanger other people in the process. That's what Democrats believe. But Republicans want to use the power of government to enforce Christian values. I don't support that. Um, and so those are basically the reasons why I am a Democrat and why, unless there's big changes, I could never vote Republican. I made a video recently. The teapot from Beauty and the Beast. She just does. And it's a she, I guess, in my mind. 13, meaning you, uh, you ordered seven. The only way to eat fruits again and still have a healthy blood sugar level if you have type 2 diabetes is to reverse insulin resistance. A lot of times people are told that they can't eat fruits again and beware of high sugary fruits like watermelon, grapes, things like that because it's going like to bullshit. spike their blood sugar. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is type 2 diabetes is a disease of carbohydrate intolerance. Now, meaning that your body's not really good at processing carbohydrates because of insulin resistance. This is something that we can reverse, but I want you to remember, the goal is to reverse insulin resistance so that you can improve your carbohydrate tolerance again. A lot of people just think, oh, you just need to cut carbs when it comes to type 2 diabetes. No, if you just cut carbs, you're just masking the problem. You're not actually dealing with the root cause. What Charmaine insulin resistance Dominguez, is, it's a in your liver and in your muscle cells. So imagine a lock and key. So let's say lock is... Mr. Beer, you noticed and, and you noted in your opening and, uh, and several times throughout this hearing that U.S. job openings are at record highs, correct? That's right. And have we been able to have a consistent level of, of among our current citizenship to be able to fill those job openings? Oh, absolutely not. U.S. population growth right now is at the lowest in its entire history. Yes, U.S. population growth is at the, at the lowest in, in our entire history. And we've seen comparatively when other countries in similar circumstances, low population growth, but also when they pass very anti-immigrant or just make it very difficult uh, to, to welcome immigrants legally, what do we see in their economic performance comparative to the United States when the United States enacts proper and open immigration policy. Well, we've seen this in a number of countries. Uh, you know, you take Japan, for example, for many years, they had a completely closed society. They ended up with a huge population of old elderly people with no one to care for them, no one to pay into those systems. And now they're finally opening up because they're recognizing That countries that adopt anti-immigrant policies invariably end up, especially with the demographic trends the United States has, end up in economic stagnation. In fact, what we're actually seeing is that this is starting to precipitate here in the United States. I'd like to submit this article from PBS NewsHour to the record, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Now, what we have here is that there are even some lawmakers in states like Wisconsin, Ohio, and Iowa that are proposing the loosening of child labor laws in their state because they have so many jobs that are left unfulfilled. We have seen teenagers dying 
in states like Wisconsin, Missouri, and Michigan, because so many jobs are going unfilled, and many of these Republican legislatures would rather roll back child labor laws and put 11 and 13-year-olds back in the workplace that allow immigrants into their community and do what they've always done. Mr. Beer, let's say 50 years ago, would you say that it would be easier that the United States perhaps had a had a, an easier immigration, more orderly immigration, perhaps a, a, an easier immigration policy then than say now? Uh. No, I don't think it was any uh, easier back then. It was pretty much the same. We had a pretty much stagnation for a century when it comes to legal immigration policy in the United States. So we've had stagnation. When we go back maybe 100 years, what would you say? Look, before the, the Immigration Act of 1924, the United States had a, a process whereby if you were not a criminal, you were not a public charge, you could come into the United States and, and work and live indefinitely. Anyone in the world could come to our country, except for the Chinese. Yes. For the most part, anyone in the world uh, could come. And so that was the standing immigration policy about 100 years ago, meaning that unless you are an, an African-American member of this body, unless you are a descendant from Puerto Rico, Guam, or a U.S. territory, virtually every single member of this committee is here today as a result of, and thanks to, more open U.S. immigration policies. And the idea of slamming the door when we desperately need these migrants, when we desperately need it, and what we need is an orderly process. We want, it's not that we don't need or want folks to come. It's that we actually have to make it easier for these individuals to participate in our economy, get a job, support themselves, and live the American dream. And what this, what this conversation is about is about defending the American dream. We cannot allow that to change. And that's why Democrats in Congress are using immigration policy and advocating for immigration policy that can, that can be documented, that people can get a job, put a shirt on their back, support their kids without being a public charge, and defend the very soul of what it means to be an American. And with that, I yield back. Mr. Beer, you noticed and, and you noted in your opening and uh, in several times throughout this hearing that U.S. job openings are at record highs, correct? That's right. And have we been able to have a consistent level of, of among our current citizenship to be able to fill those job openings? Oh, absolutely not. U.S. population growth right now is at the lowest in its... Genius of a woman, thank you for your service. I actually was. Did you go inside? Did you take it? And I was there with a police officer. And I loved you. Perfect. Yeah, that's one of the guys who was harassing protesters outside of a school board meeting in Brevard County, Florida. And that's him admitting to participating in the January 6th insurrection and even being inside the Capitol. Now, he claims the FBI isn't interested in him, except this is an image from their uh, most wanted page in regards to the insurrection, and uh, pretty damn sure that's him. But let's set aside the insurrection for a moment. Let's deal with the things he said and did at that board meeting. No masks will be enforced at the schools because... What are you going to do about it? like the crowd out here? How do you think they'll like the crowd in front of their house? Which is where this goes next. So you're threatening? So you're threatening? Oh, yes. I know where they all live, and we will show so up you're not in numbers. Crazy. Yeah, that's him saying that he knows where all the school board members live, and if they had voted for mass mandates, 
that he and other people would show up at their house. That's not a threat at all. And according to his own words there, he's a fan of doxing. Uh, he also said this. Put me on the internet, make me famous. But if I see you do that on your website, I'm coming after you. Coming after me. I'll be your huckleberry. But I feel a great swell of sadness for anyone who shows up at my door looking for a problem. But all I'm really interested in is making sure the people in your life know exactly who and what you are. And now you see, I know this is what you drive. Yes, that vehicle's real specific. I'm thinking someone who lives near you or in your neighborhood or even at the Walmart you shop at. I've seen that and has a good idea of who you are. You also got that L3 Harris keychain. Thinking it's a real good probability that you work there or perhaps wife works there. Either way, pretty sure the company would not like you harassing and threatening people with violence while sporting their their brand or logo. So that's a lot to go on. Brevard County peeps, tell me who this is. Yes, I was there. Really? All right, were you inside? Were you I actually was. Go ahead. Did you go inside? Did you take it? Says uh, racing at max speed to the find out phase. <laughs> he works with L3 Harris. He most likely is a government contractor. They would be very interested in how he violated the basic tenets of employment. They talk about the left is so angry, the right is always threatening harm and targeting people that don't agree with them. These people are so violent and crazy. Can find all this info, but the F crazy too. The can find all this info, but the FBI can't. These dudes single-handedly propping up that specific sector of the sunglasses market. Oh, they are too bright. Are too effing bright? Are they? Double down, Ric Flair. I don't trust nobody who wears sunglasses like that. Just another empty barrel. Gravy Seals, LMAO. Never long for the FAFO part this much. Update coming. Let's make him famous. We can make him, <laughs> we can make him famous. So emotional needs to take his BP meds. Just keep getting, kept getting redder. The FBI have an anonymous tip line. Send this info to them. I'll be your huckleberry. <laughs> we shall show up at his house. <laughs> so glad we moved out of Florida. So yeah, I wake up. I love the little shirts they put on. Remember you sharing this like three years ago? How is he still free? Looking forward to the update. Is there, and there is a cop standing right there. So stressful. How do people watch this all the time? Make him famous. I was there with the police officer, Ron Sanchez. Do you know someone drinking protein shakes and they're getting bloated? The number one Ron meaning. Everybody, I got some important stuff to talk about here, and it's something that recently happened to me and my family. And I want you to be vigilant and be prepared in case something like this happens to you. That's why I'm telling you our story here. So my wife gets a new car a while back. And we've been driving it for a while. Never had any issues with it. Tracked by an and on tag. January the 4th, she goes to pick her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend up from the airport. Once they... Good afternoon. And I love it when a little birdie just decides to drop a piece us. of exclusive information into my email box when I'm working. 
this video clip is something you're going to see exclusively on my page right now. I'd love to go ahead and introduce everybody to Evan Powers, the new chair of the Florida Republican Party. What's your name, sir? Evan Powers. And I get that car and I was like, <laughs> how much have you had to drink tonight? I had about two drinks. About two drinks? So you said you had at least two drinks? I just had two drinks. You just had two drinks. What'd you have? I had a beer uh -huh. and a beer. Two beers. What kind of beers <laughs> were you drinking?
But stupidity, unfortunately, tends to be a lifelong subscription to a self-imposed echo chamber, impervious to reason. Folks who are really intelligent do not have to remind you of it because it speaks for itself. Like my grandmother used to say to me long ago, play dumb son, you will learn of things that you wouldn't otherwise learn. Back to the original point, though. Another reason why I am skeptical that a second Trump term will be the end of our constitutional republic is precisely why President his first Jackson. attempt failed. You see, our founding fathers brilliantly designed our government to prevent wannabe dictators like Donald Trump from infecting it with tyranny. Also, despite that he tilted our judiciary to the right, Trump-appointed judges have shown their independence, repeatedly ruling against Trump in favor of the rule of law, which should be comforting to us all, as it is likely that Trump will deploy his Justice Department to prosecute his political enemies. There will be a follow-up to this. Later, gang. Greetings, gang. I've been wanting to make this video for a while now. So, what are we... When I was young, we had phones that were attached to the wall that had long cords. <laughs> and there was no uh, call waiting, I don't think. So you had to, like, beat everybody off the phone. You couldn't let anybody be on the phone because your boyfriend or the guy you wanted to be your boyfriend might call at that second and then just get a busy signal and forget you. So you had to guard the phone. And in our house, which was in Fresno, the big purple house, like the color of a Xanax, it was just like a melon. <laughs> house with white rocks on the roof and we had a big backyard in the back and my dad was drunk with his red box and um, I had a very nice grandma. We were raised Catholic. Um, for Easter she went all out and she would make us these Easter baskets and in the Easter basket she gave us this year baby chicks. So we all had some baby chicks, they all died because we didn't take care of them except for one, except for one that lived in our backyard and found enough worms or whatever to subsist out there. So my dad is drunk uh, with his friend Bob and um, I have the, the, the sliding glass door open but I'm watching the phone. We had a canal in the back of our house, in the back of our yard. And my dad is bragging to Bob that he knows the best way to kill a chicken. <laughs> grabs our Easter chicken that we never named, and he grabs him by the neck, and he just puts him under the water while he opens another beer in the canal. And he's just down there for a while, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I should go get the chicken, but I might miss his phone call. <laughs> And so after a few minutes, he uh, pulls the chicken up and just tosses it on the ground. And they continue talking and drinking. And then a few minutes later, the chicken is up. All <laughs> la Jesus Christ, all la Easter, all la his namesake. I'm like, oh my God, the chicken's alive. So Bob then says, you don't know how to f kill a chicken. And he goes to get the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, Bob was even bigger than my dad. My dad was 6'4", so he takes the chicken and he holds it under the water for a really long time. And I'm just like, oh my god. Anyway, he then throws it on the ground. That's how you f kill a chicken. And I'm like, wow, Bob had my dad on that one, you know, but he won. Uh, but then the chicken gets up. The chicken is up. My dad now decides this chicken has is asking for it, obviously. <laughs> he takes a jump rope we have in the backyard, puts it around the neck of the chicken, and throws it over the tree in the back, grabs a baseball bat, and is batting the chicken. Oh, 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 he hits the chicken. 
my two brothers watched this and like, oh, dad played baseball. Let's go play with dad. And, and so my dad immediately uh, doesn't want to have anything to do with the kids. So he saunters off as well, like, ooh, kids, gross. And so our neighbor looks over the fence. What are you doing to that chicken? Give it to me right away. So we give the chicken to Mr. Long. Cut to a year later, we're walking home from the fair in Fresno with my dad. We just got kicked out because my dad got in a fight with a little Mexican man who was selling salamanders. But anyway, Mr. Locke has a cage with the chicken in it, and it has second place. That chicken lived and won a ribbon, and I thought, you know what? If that chicken can survive my dad, so can I. Young, we had phones that were attached to the wall that had long cords, <laughs> and there was no uh, wake up, we just lost another family. Wake up, cause we need the world to see. No love, they will never understand us. Too bad, we're just bodies on a screen. Wake up, they don't care about the people. Hey there, keep trying. Dinosaur, we're first discovered. We have a Washington that is consistently putting the interests of big corporations ahead of the interests of workers and families. That's why we haven't even passed this minimum wage bill, despite both Democrats and Republicans having their turn at being in charge in Washington. We need to make sure that we are resetting the rules in Washington. So I support that minimum wage bill, but I want to absolutely tie it to inflation. We can't keep trying to backfill 50 cents, a dollar, two dollars a time on the picket line for your families. What Washington has failed to do, which is to reset our economy and make sure the workers who create the value are getting paid what they deserve. We have a Washington that is consistently putting the in my wife. We have Katie a Washington Porter, yeah. that is my wife is from Boston. And they pronounce things much differently than we do down here in the South. So I've asked my wife to go into Lowe's and get some caulking. <laughs> I haven't been saying it that way at all. I blame my dad for this. It's his fault. So I went in, super simple task. So I thought he was going to help my son with something in the car. So that's why I went in. And the lovely little older gentleman greeter asked me if he could help me. I said, yes, that'd be great. I'm looking for white cock. Uh -huh. And he laughed and said he hasn't been able to help. <laughs> I have my ID on. Oh, you jerk. Now they know my name and where I work. Oh, the embarrassment just went to a whole new level. Oh. <laughs> Older gentleman tells me he can't help me. That ship sailed a long time ago, but he could find me someone that could. So he found me a lovely young chap that told mm. me he could gladly help me with what I needed. <laughs> a customer walked by and said that if I didn't need white, he could help me. So mm. I have no clue what's going on. This is such a simple task. I just need a tube of the gluey stuff for tile, preferably white or clear, I think. The customer service lady, thank God for her, she <laughs> stepped in and said, Honey, they're messing with you. <laughs> it's C-A-U-L-K. L-K. Not cock-a-doodle-doo, like I've been saying. So, you got me. That was good. 
Um, I'm super, I'm actually shaking. I'm so embarrassed. And now they know where I work. You realize that I had my ID on. Good for you. Pluto enters the sign of Aquarius. And this is going to be really pushing some amazing Ruth's energy for us. And it's going to be triggering us back to what we started or started to start in December of 2020. When we started kind of in that bringing us back into that energy of the grand conjunction of 2020. So let's just take a minute or so and kind of just talk about Pluto itself. Pluto is a planet or an asteroid, whichever you want to call it, but it's all about deep transformation. And it really brings up cycles of like death and rebirth or the Phoenix, kind of like the death and the rebirth into something else. And this energy really fuels our fire to kind of like destroy things so we can like rise out of the ashes like the Phoenix. Pluto really represents our subconscious energy or things or skeletons in the closet that we don't want to get out at any point. We're like, let's lock it up. We don't want to deal with this at all. We want to just like leave it in the past. But I guarantee you, Pluto loves to bring these things up. Things that we wanted to let go of, like I don't want anybody to know that I did that or I went here or I did this. Desires, our deepest fears and really our deepest subconscious programming. Kind of like what are we deep down inside? Pluto really works on our backgrounds in our lives and kind of moving through these cycles of death and rebirth until we really choose to transform. And this is going to be bringing up an amazing energy and an opportunity for us. Now, also one of the things is we are going to be wanting to kind of like make some things happen and some magic happen around us and kind of making things feel better and not just kind of stuck in the past. We are going to want to bring things up and we are going to not only see the things that we may not want to choose to, to kind of work through necessarily, but we're also going to see that with other people, things that they've been hiding, things that they don't want out in the limelight. It's going to be coming. It is going to be coming out and it's going to be bringing up topics of death and rebirth, um, guiding us to kind of like let go of things that don't work anymore so we can transform and death can be a very like harsh comment and I don't mean like death of a person I mean death of who we were before or a death of something that we don't want people to know that we did and I guarantee you it's going to be kind of bringing this up so we can end it and let it go forever. Now Pluto really guides us to make like some understanding of where the power lies and it really always lies with our innate feelings of being able to transform when we're ready to. So it's time, like, get ready, it's coming. And I guarantee you, Pluto's going to be really pushing us to make some changes, especially as it makes this shift change from Capricorn into Aquarius. Now, really, um, it has been in Capricorn since January of 20. Oh, eight. Pluto has been dancing kind of between Capricorn and Uranus's, um, I'm sorry, Aquarius's energy since uh, 2023, but it's like now it's going to like securely move in to this energy and it's going to be in Aquarius from November 2024 to about March of 2044. So quite a long period of time. Now, one of the things that's going to be really amazing is because Pluto has been in Capricorn, that's all about like this um, power structure, who's in charge, who's that sort of thing, like kind of like who's got the power. And it's coming into a more um, people driven and it's going to be all about speaking the truth. So things that we wanted, yeah. like power hungry people wanted to take care of, now it's going to be making these changes. And I guarantee Pluto really activates a lot of transformation for a lot of people. And this is going to be really depending on 
where Pluto is in your natal chart. But Pluto often brings up um, an energy of obsessions and um, addictions, um, letting go or shedding things. And also Pluto is always that death and rebirth. So remember always that it's kind of like the death, but into like burning it out into ashes and then coming out of that and bringing a lot of intense changes and intense energy with it as well. Now, I will say there are a lot of energies that we really want to kind of like take advantage of. And some of them are going to be some great energy coming in over the next 20 years or so as Pluto is in the sign of Aquarius. Things are going to this be changing. Pluto increased the sign of Aquarius. Aquarius. In this the age of Aquarius. This crowd today at Marjorie Perjury Trader Brains. Folks fighting in Daytona Beach. Haha. It's like zero people. Haha. You know, my husband. Fucking bitch. You know, my husband loves New York. Failure. And it was interesting, he thought for a second, because he's been more isolated than me. Mm-hmm. He thought for a minute, when we leave the White House, we'll live in New York. And I was like, dude, you can't live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot access the wonderful city of New York in the way that he remembered when he was in his 20s. Because guess what we can't do? We can't walk down the street. Mm. We can't get on the subway. We can't necessarily walk through Central Park without a big plan. Mm. You know, the things that make New York, New York, we can't access it. There's such a thing as knowing too much. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm. when you've been married to the president of the United States who knows everything about everything in the world, sometimes you just want to turn it off. You know too much. Right. (laughs) I don't want to know what was in that folder that you just got that made you quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to know why the security just pulled you over. Mm. I mean, it could be any range of things that comes across the desk of the leader of the free world, right? So I know a Keep lot about what's going on world. and what keeps me up are the things that I know. Really? What is AI going to do for us? The environment, you know, are we moving at all fast enough? What are we doing about education? Mm. Are people going to vote? And why aren't people voting? Are we too stuck to our phones? I mean, those are yeah. the things that yeah. keep me up. I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. Does government do everything for us? And we cannot take this democracy for granted. And sometimes I, I worry that we do. I was accused of not loving my country mm. because of some phrasing I said, people will distort you whenever Mm -hmm. they can. People attempted to do with me, with us. They tried to otherize us as the first black people, accusing my husband of being a terrorist and not being born in this country, accusing me of being an angry black woman and, you know, the labels that can easily get put (laughs) on others, the people that are othered, right? To make people afraid of us, that Mm -hmm. that, a strategy that gets played again and again and again. It was being played on me and it got me to the point where I was almost ready to quit campaigning. Mm -hmm. Right. But then I thought I have to be more strategic than they are Mm -hmm. about how I deliver my message. Mm -hmm. I have to be authentic, but I also have to be careful 
so that I don't get mischaracterized. I have to be smarter than them. That doesn't mean I stop, but I had to regroup for a minute there. You know, I'm so proud of my husband, the way he led, the way his administration worked, the team that we built. Bars are different for people in life. That I've learned. Mm -hmm. You learn how to be excellent all the time Mm -hmm. because you can't be less than. Mm -hmm. Other people can. Other people can be indicted a bunch of times and still run for for office. Mm -hmm. Black man can't. With one word, we can change a kid's life. We can lift them up. But that same wrong one word can crush them forever. Mm -hmm. And those are the building blocks of our humanity, Mm -hmm. how we treat our kids. I think fear is at the source of so much because I think the people who have a lot are afraid of not having enough. And it's not rational, right? But we fear the other. We're so alike. I don't care about skin color or how we pray or who, how we love. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. What keeps us from seeing that is fear, right? I don't know you. You're mm-hmm. different. So I got to be afraid of you. And I can't, I I have to make sure you don't come into my space. And then we live in a culture where people with power prey on fear to get more power. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make you all afraid of each other. Mm -hmm. And then I can come in and rule it all, Mm -hmm. right? You know, my husband. So Nikki Haley and her uh, work until you're 70 when the median age of like life expectancy is about 77 to 78, depending on if you're male or female. And everyone's going fucking crazy about it. Am I the only millennial just finally seeing the rest of y'all panic like I've been doing for the last 10 years? See, I understood that as much as I tried to work up the corporate ladder when I was in retail and I tried to work my way up through management and always kept hitting a ceiling and then I had to like leave and go get hired somewhere else just to reach that glass ceiling and then have to leave there and go somewhere else that everyone's complaining about nowadays? Am I the only one who realized and accepted that I was going to be working till the day I died? Like y'all haven't been walking into Walmart seeing 70-year-old white-haired greeters and going there in the early mornings and being checked out by somebody's grandma to realize that this has always been a thing? Here's the thing about Social Security. Those grandmas and grandpas working at Walmart, they aren't there just because, you know, they need something to do and they need something to stay active. And they're like, hey, this could be just some fun part-time gig just to stay active and do something. No, they're there for a paycheck. They're there for a paycheck. And what gets me is Social Security is always claiming bankruptcy. You know, there's not enough people in the workforce. But I think about all the young Americans who die before they even can collect Social Security who've been working. You know, all the women who are projected now to die since Roe v. Wade's been overturned and women's mortality increases when they're pregnant. So I'm just thinking about all this. I'm thinking of how, when there are a percentage of young people who die who never get Social Security, people who have been working, like myself, since I was old enough to legally start working at 16, who've been paying into Social Security, who are now 20 years into working, 
like myself, who've also realized there's no way they're ever going to be able to retire because every job that I've had to leave and go to another one just to be able to get a promotion, just to be able to get that cost of living, I've realized that I'm not going to have that 401k when I'm there. I'm not going to get a job with some sort of pension, and Social Security is somehow always bankrupt because Republicans can't balance books because it's so much more important to send our money outside of the country and lose three trillion dollars in defense spending. But you know, we can't take care of our Americans here at home. So yeah, am I the only millennial who's just kind of internally laughing at everybody saying they're not gonna do that? Like they have a choice. Like unless we started some sort of major boycott of the work industry and just crashed the entire system until our government said, we will fund social security 100% if you go back to work. Maybe it's just me. Is it? So Nikki Haley and her uh, work until Weird things I know about American history. It's from court stuff. If you go over to the U.S. Capitol and you go to the cafeteria, and you can eat down there. I have. It's, it's, it's okay. Uh, public eats there. The legislators don't. They, they have private cafeterias. They have a private Senate cafeteria, a private house cafeteria. They don't they don't eat down with the average people. However, if you go over to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, while they don't eat down there, that's a much smaller building. They just have one cafeteria that serves everybody. So you go over there and eat. If you order food, it's the same food the justices are ordering, which is kind of cool. Really fun fact though, the most junior justice is on the cafeteria committee. And so they're the one that helps deal with the food. And Elena Kagan, when she was the most junior justice, the newest on the Supreme Court, was very, very proud of the fact that she got a frozen yogurt machine put in the cafeteria downstairs. She's mentioned it in a couple speeches, and yeah. this was a big deal to her. Yeah. And when I did a tour of the court about a year, year and a half ago, I was I went over and was like, is cafeteria open? I really want to take a photo of this frozen yogurt machine. And they... Um, Thought it was really funny, but yeah, I, I took a picture of the frozen yogurt machine. And what was neat when I was listening to them, they were talking about um, which one was to put the coffee in, because apparently now they have Starbucks coffee. And it was either Barrett or Kavanaugh. They're not quite certain who it was, uh, because I was listening to them debate it uh, over which one um, was the one that like, orchestrated the Starbucks. But it's still kind of cool. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Take care. <laughs> Weird things I know. I see. I could have overcharged you, T. I could have said, "Yeah, you can. Give me ten dollars, and I'm gonna throw some tea filters." But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you can get them for four. So I'm not gonna blanket. Hi there, Mr. Um, Trump. I said, "Okay." Hi there. How was traffic? Did you get here okay? Wonderful. Okay, so it looks like you have interviewed for this position. No, wait, you had this position before. Okay, all right, can you can you tell me why you left? Okay, Democrats. Okay, Socialist. Kenya, Pocahontas. Okay, they stole it, they stole it from you. Okay, all right. All right, and can you tell me why that you feel like you should be able to get your old job back? I mean, it sounds like you had a hard go of it, you know? Would you want to consider retirement maybe to, um, what was it, Florida? Yeah? No? No? Okay. All right, so why is it that you would want to come back and work for the U.S. again, considering, you know, how everything went before the, the economy? Okay, let me find your old file 
from your previous stint here and, and, and we'll take a look at your record. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay, all right, I have your record here. So, okay, so it looks like the economy lost 2.9 million jobs during your tenure here um, in the U.S. and the unemployment rate increased by 1.6% to 6.3%. Does that sound right? Okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it looks like corporate profits did go up as well as paychecks, but these 2019 job numbers were the lowest that they had been in years. Yeah, the pandemic. Oh, no, 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 no. This is before. This is before, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, this is pre-pandemic. Yeah, lots of job losses. Lots of job losses. Yeah. You also promised to reduce the international trade deficit I'm seeing here. Like, this was a really, really important thing that you that you emphasized in, in your first interview, like a lot, a lot. And, and from what I'm seeing here, by the time you left the position, the trade deficit had increased by 40%. That's wild. Can you explain that? Gina? Okay. All right. Well, it looks here like you made Gina. some promises uh, to the coal miners that their jobs were going to be coming back and you lost 8,500 of those jobs. Yeah. And it, whoa, hey. Manufacturing jobs, they dropped by 154,000. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Can you explain that? No. Okay. <laughs> wow. And the federal debt held by the public went up an astounding 50%. Wow. My, my. Wow. But I see you weren't able to sneak in a bunch of tax cuts for people that were making lots and lots of money already. So there's, there's that. Yeah. Okay. You know, Mr. Trump, was it? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Your record is just, it's its its a bit weak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, what was that? No, I, I don't know of anyone else who's hiring, unfortunately. But yeah, if I do hear of any more openings for, um, what do we have here? Game show host, I will be sure to give you a call. Okay, all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hi there, Mr. Trump. God bless black okay. people. Hi there. How was traffic? Did you get here okay? Wonderful. Okay, so it looks like you have interviewed for this position. No, wait, you had this. Stop and picture a city where gods mingle with mortals and every sculpture tells a divine tale. This is the kingdom of Ife, the sacred cradle of Yoruba culture. Established over a thousand years ago, Ife was more than a city. It was a center of spiritual, political, and artistic life for the Yoruba people. Ife artisans crafted works that stun the world to this day. Their bronze and terracotta sculptures radiate realism and grace, speaking volumes of their advanced techniques and rich culture. Ife was not just a kingdom, it was a spiritual hub, considered the birthplace of gods and humanity in Yoruba mythology, its lore is woven into the fabric of the cosmos. The legacy of Ife is alive, pulsating in the heartbeats of Yoruba traditions, art and spirituality, shaping identities to this day. The kingdom of Ife, where every stone tells a sacred story, what mesmerizes you about Ife's rich heritage. Share your thoughts and journey further with us in lost kingdoms Roots of Africa. Stop and picture. Hey, y'all know how uh, the high food prices and, and high uh, gas prices and stuff really upsets us a lot, patriots. And then we, we blame the government. We blame Joe Biden for it, right? Um, 
That means that we believe that the government should be doing something about those high prices. Right, y'all? That's what that means, patriots. Um, and, uh, but then whenever you, you know, do some research, like we tell people all the time to go do your own research, and you find out that that the government don't really control those prices, they can't, because uh, we live in a, a, a free market economy, capitalism, and those uh, private companies, they charge what the market will bear, what they say, um, and the government really can't do anything about it. And I know that upsets us. It's like, well, dang, then then we've been blaming the government, and, and they can't do nothing. Um, that must mean then that we believe that the government should be able to do something about that and tell those companies to to not charge so much. Right, y'all? Well, I, since since we live in a free market economy and, and the government ain't allowed to do that, I, I, you know what I did? I got on the duck, duck, go, y'all. I did. I got on the duck, duck, go, and I did my own research. And then, you know what I did? I backed it up. And I got on, I got on the Google. All right, y'all. I did get on the Google, but I did, I got on the Super Google, y'all. I, I got on Google.bard.com, uh, the artificial intelligent Google, and I just asked it. I was like, uh, what kind of economic system allows the government to dictate prices to private companies? And it told me that that is what they call a command economy. When I do that, and what that is, it's almost like communism, and it's almost like socialism. It's right there in the middle, sorta. See, with communism, the the government owns the means of production and all the private property, and then with socialism, the government owns some means of production, and there's still private production, but the government can still kind of, you know, dictate some prices and stuff and tell them companies to back off on them prices. Is what that is. So, since we believe that the government should be able to tell those companies what they can charge. You know what that means? We're socialist. That's what we are. We've been advocating for socialism all along. And and the reason why we've been calling those Democrats socialist and communist all the time, it's more of that projection stuff. Kind of like, um, you know, whenever we, we talk about the Biden crime family and all that without any real evidence and everything, it's that projection stuff because we know that it's this Trump and it's the Trump crime family. And the same thing when we talk about the, those pedo Democrats, we know that the real pedos are the Republicans and the preachers. So it's that projection thing. So then when we're calling those Democrats socialists and communists, it's us, y'all. And we're projecting because obviously because we say it so much that why ain't Joe Biden doing something about this economy? Why, why is gas prices so high? Why is food prices so high? Must mean that we believe that Joe Biden should step in and do something about that, which means Joe Biden and our economy and our government should be socialist. That's the only way it can be, patriots, because we can't have it both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Can't have both ways. Either that or we're just a bunch of jackasses, and we're going <laughs> to bitch and moan and complain any time, any time, that the person we want to be president lost by 8 million votes. Could be that too, right? <laughs> Which is it? Are we a bunch of crybaby little bitches? <laughs> or are we socialist or communist? <laughs> Which is it, patriots? <laughs> I'd like to know. And make Trump 2024. Hey, y'all know how uh, the high food prices and, and high uh, gas prices and stuff really upsets us a lot, patriots, and then we, <laughs> we blame the government, we blame Joe Biden for it, right? Um, 
inmate Trump 2024. Welcome. We're back. Sinanay We had such a good one last week, but somehow I fucked up the uploading of that video. No, TikTok so. fucked up the uploading of that Yeah, it, it was didn't. TikTok. You didn't let it post. Ah. All right, let's go down the uh, Trump rabbit hole just from the perspective of logic. Not politics, not party, not anything, just logic. Now... This is a man that grew up having everything he ever wanted, any amount of money, any bailout of any business that he created that was failing. He just got bailed out. Um, never really had to deal with any consequences of anything he ever did. This is a man who basically bullshitted his way into getting everything he ever wanted. And when he wanted to start a business, he would use his father's assets to go into banks and pretend he has all this stuff so the banks would give him loans. Never paid the banks back. When the banks stopped giving him money and he wanted to go into the golf course business, he had nowhere else to get them. Nowhere else to get money to build these golf courses. So he went to his friends, his Russian friends, got an awful lot of money. These Russian friends were bank owners, oligarchs, the right side of Putin, whatever the hell you want to look at him at. Do you remember there was a story about a a bank server in the White House from a bank called Alpha Bank that was tied in with Cyprus Bank and Deutsche Bank? Kind of the same, same circles. It was on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in the White House itself. Now, when we're talking about the things that were coming up and people who spoke up against Donald Trump, we need to take something very, very important into account. Every single person that had anything to do with people questioning Donald Trump got destroyed. No matter who they were, no matter how long they were serving the public or civil servants or in any position they were in. We had that FBI um, agent um, that worked 20 some odd years with the FBI that was part of one of the earlier investigations. I forget his name, but he was two days from retirement to get his lifelong pension that he had earned under both sides of the aisle taking the White House and did nothing but protect this country. The day before he was supposed to collect all of his benefits and officially retire, he was fired specifically by Donald Trump. That's vindictiveness. You have James Comey, who was fired over the news. He didn't even get a phone call. A lifelong Democrat, I mean a lifelong Republican, not Democrat, a lifelong Republican, a lifetime of civil service, nothing but voting Republican, anything. Robert Mueller, a war hero, another lifelong Republican war hero. all of a sudden destroyed because he did his job in investigating. And Comey and Mueller and the FBI agents were all working for Hillary Clinton. It was a big conspiracy thought up years and years ago. Are you kidding me? Use logic. Then you have all of his lawyers. 
and all of the people who are in and out of the White House, who are experts in their field, lifelong Republicans, and were the best at their job and highly praised by Donald Trump himself. Until they did something he didn't like, then they were pieces of garbage, they were weak. General Mattis, Bill Barr, the list goes on, Rudy Giuliani, Michael Cohen, all of these people are all of a sudden rhinos or liars or pieces of crap or traitors or whatever, whatever, whatever. This is one man torpedoing the lives of anybody who stands up for him, to him, anybody, anybody at all. And people don't recognize that. In an interview two days ago, he said he couldn't have done all these things. He has 91 indictments, criminal indictments against him. He couldn't have done them. He was too busy saving the world against nuclear war. Eric was the one in charge of a lot of this. Eric was the one in charge of the businesses from the all the fraudulent business, you know, lawsuits because he was too busy being president, not screwing over our company. This is a man that throws every single person under the bus. Every person, one guy, one guy. Even his own family members. And most of the people he's throwing under the bus are lifelong Republicans, and people somehow are believing. One man over all of these lifetime civil servants. One man over people like John McCain, a war hero who spent five years as a POW, who his captors tried to let go when they found out that he was the son of an important man in the U.S. government, and he refused to leave until all of the other captives were released. All of the other American POWs went with him. He refused to leave. But to Trump, he wasn't a hero because he got caught. He prefers his heroes not getting caught. He refused to go to Arlington Cemetery because they were all losers. All of the... All of our heroes that passed away died. They were losers. Suckers what and was losers. in it for them. All of these things he does out loud. And people are so wrapped up in their vote that they're not even looking at it. All of these people that are now fixing their own criminal charges because they stand by this man. He stopped paying their legal fees. This is the same man that donated his salary. And everyone said he didn't have to leave what he was doing. He sacrificed so much to represent this country. Let's think about that. He donated a $200,000 salary. Didn't sign off on any of his companies. Still owned all of his companies. And he went golfing at his own property. 
over 400 times. Every single time he goes golfing, the Secret Service, everybody who travels with him, they have to rent rooms. He didn't give them breaks. You know who paid for those trips? $1.4 million per weekend. The taxpayers. So big deal, he gave up his presidential salary. Now remember all those problems with his tax returns? He paid $750 a month, I mean a year. $750 a year, tax returns. He claimed losses for 18 straight years. More losses than any one single person in U.S. history. His tax returns say a completely different story when he got into office. Why is that? His tax returns said he made hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Why is that? But the Bidens are the ones enriching themselves. When are people going to take politics out of this? Stop abusing the people around you. And start recognizing you look at things in black and white. And if someone did something deserving of an investigation, they need to be investigated. And if the investigation investigations come out with 91 criminal indictments, maybe you should stop saying it's all fake. Because if you know how indictments work, a grand jury found him guilty 91 times. There were 84, 87 fake electors in a very, very intricate plot to overthrow a legitimate election. That's been proven. January 6th was not a protest. That's been proven too. This is our country at stake. It's not about a side of the aisle. It's about America. Our America. America first, right? Start acting like it. Yeah. All right, let's go down. Well, I guess Nikki Haley was right. It is a two-person race. Her and Trump. But it's about the only thing Nikki Haley has been right about. This woman's wrong so fucking much, it's unbelievable. I don't know if she has... See, I don't know about these fucking people. Do they really believe the bullshit that they say? Or are they just saying it because they know it's gaslighting or it's, you know, kind of purposeful projecting or whatever the fuck, you know, but DeSantis, I'm glad that motherfucker dropped out, I hope that motherfucker goes back to Florida, I hope they round him up like he's a fucking uh, witch in the 1600s, who gives a fuck about DeSantis, really, you know, I was worried that people would vote for a fool like him because he's like Trump. But he never had the appeal of Trump. I said that a while back. I'm like, he wants to be a Trump. This motherfucker couldn't make himself a Trump if he killed himself and went through a Frankenstein thing and put Trump's brain in him. He couldn't fucking become a Trump. So, a big shout out to fucking Rhonda Sanctimonious, Rhonda Stinky, Rhonda fucking Meatball. You know, go away and let's never ever hear your fucking stupid words again or have to look at any of the fucking weird, weird features that are coming off of your face. Well, I guess Nikki Haley... Let's get right, it is a two-person race. Come here. Right here with Daddy. Come on. Come on, go to the front porch.
That's crazy. We ain't never seen that. Oh, it looks like airplanes. I'm hoping that's what it is, buddy. That's weird. Come on, get up here. It's too cold. I see, I see, baby. Come here. Aircraft. We go to war against Iraq, a country that had never attacked us, never had the means to attack us, never tried to attack us. Isn't that weird? That had been our ally in the 80s. And it was brutal. According to Johns Hopkins, we killed 1.3 to 2 million Iraqis from 2003 to 2011 in an eight-year span of time. for a country that never attacked us, never had the means to attack us. Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder called up George Bush Jr. and said, please don't do this. Germany did this. Poland, September 1st, 1939. Don't be like us. You're the United States of America. You're supposed to be the good guy. We've hinged everything we do in Europe on you're the good guy. NATO is based on you're the good guy. We did it anyway. In fact, George Bush Jr. refused to talk to Gerhard Schroeder again until Gerhard Schroeder was replaced in an election by Angela Merkel. We just basically cut off ties with the Federal Republic of Germany, our most important ally. Joey. You're like, no, isn't it UK? Mm. Germany has the second largest NATO military. It's Germany. Germany is the locomotive for the European Union. Right? Germany is the heart center. Spoiler alert on this, there's no such thing as the euro. It's a made-up currency. There's the German mark. Germany has given Europe the German mark, but to make it feel like it's everybody, they called it the euro. Just so we're clear. Right? And Belgium called us up. France called us up. And they said, please don't do this. You don't need to do this. Why are you doing this? And we did it anyway. Uh, we go to war against Iraq, a country yeah. that had never attacked us, never had the means to attack Dr. us, Roy never tried Kessler to attack Grunda. us. Isn't that weird? That had been our ally in the 80s. Nearly every Sports okay, Illustrated just... reporter just got fired. Like every single one of them. Like doesn't matter how long they've been huh. there. Almost all of them just got sacked. And it proved to me that like our economy is just a series of pyramid schemes stacked on top of each other, pretending to be multiple brands. Like, it's crazy to me. Some people look at the back of a dollar bill and they see that pyramid like, that's Illuminati. I'm like, no, that is a series oh, of pyramid schemes stacked on top of each other, <laughs> posing as an economy. Uh, so what happened today with Sports Illustrated was crazy. So the company that ran Sports Illustrated, notice I said ran, not owned, was called the Arena Group. Arena Group would lease the name. They licensed the name. They rented the name Sports Illustrated from Authentic Brands Group, LLC. They would pay a monthly or annual uh, fee for that. They recently missed a $3.75 million payment. 
from Arena Group to Authentic Brands Group, LLC. Uh, and so because of that, Authentic Brands Group said, you're in breach of contract. Now you owe us $45 million. I don't know who writes these contracts. I'm assuming it's like the living embodiment of cocaine. Uh, so then <laughs> Arena Group freaked out and sent out a mass email to everyone was like, everyone's laid off. We'll figure out who still works here. It's weird because like Sports Illustrated still tweeting, but some of those feel like automatic automated tweets. Um, and so same thing with some of the articles. So I wouldn't be looking to Sports Illustrated for a lot of uh, reporting coming up. But what's crazy about this, Authentic Brands Group LLC, I'd never heard of them, right? I started looking into them. They own 50-plus well-known brands. And some of these started to make me realize, like, oh, they just bought all of the stores that were in the mall. Like, that's how this has happened, right? I'm going to list you some of the brands that this one company owns, okay? Remember, when you're walking down the mall, you're like, wow, look at all these stores. This is one company at this point. Ready? Reebok, Forever 21, Tap Out, Brooks Brothers, Nautica, DC Shoes, Nine West, Lucky Brand, Izod, Airwalks, Eddie Bauer, Aeropostale, the estates of Muhammad Ali, Elvis Presley, and Marilyn Monroe, the likenesses of Shaquille O'Neal and Julius Erving. That's right. They own Shaq Space. Authentic, what is this? Authentic Brands Group LLC manages Shaq Space and, and Forever 21. That's the same company. Tap Out and Airwalks, the same company at the end of the day. And they themselves are owned by two massive private co uh, equity companies, uh, the CVC Capital Partners and HBS Investment Partners LLC. So yeah, we're just... We're just like six companies in a trench coat pretending, pretending. It's begun. The timelines have begun to split. This is a really important message. Please pull up a chair and listen in. You've heard me talk before about the two timelines that were running in parallel, 3D and 5D. I've made lots of content about this and they were running in parallel for a while. These two timelines have just began to split and I want to talk to you about some stuff that happened to me over sort of December and that's been happening over the recent weeks and perhaps this will resonate and I'm, listen to this video till the end because it's really important. Now if I go back six months, I remember around six months ago I was, I, I've got this over the horizon radar and I was able to look forward and um, actually engage mentally with what's going to be on that 3D timeline. So I know what's going to be on that 3D timeline is, you know, it's going to be total control by the governments. It's going to be CBDCs. It's going to be people sort of in these 15 minute cities. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be sort of total control, the people who are on that timeline. And then you've got in parallel this other timeline, which is this new earth. And it's all super positive. And up, up until about sort of six months ago, I was able to engage with that and I was able to sort of feel how that sort of 3D timeline um, was going to be. And when I look at that 3D timeline now, although I'm aware of what's going to happen, it's almost as if I can't, I can't feel it, I can't engage it with it. So as much as I know that on that timeline there's going to be CBDCs that are going to be coming in and people are going to be in 15 minute cities, people are going to be on UBI, people are going to be controlled, not able to travel and things like this. I, although I'm aware of it, I can't engage with it. I can't, I can't feel it almost. And it's almost like emotionally not being able to connect to it. 
There was also another instance when I was sort of watching the fireworks on New Year's Eve, and normally um, that is a, something I really look forward to, and it's a really exciting um, sort of time. I love watching the fireworks all around the world from different cities, and normally I can connect to the energy of what's going on, and normally I can uh, sort of feel the emotions of uh, the firework display and the people that are there, but. This year, when I was watching it, there was a total disconnect. And my wife felt exactly the same thing. So we were like watching it. I could see it. I could hear it. I couldn't feel it. And it's almost like looking through this glass sort of wall at 3D. And people were on that 3D timeline. And uh, it just kind of, when I sort of started mulling over this the, the following day, it's like I was shown that the timelines have started to do that now they've started to move away and so you know i know what's coming on i know what's coming across this year on this sort of 5d timeline it's all positive you know i'm not feeling like i'm in contraction whatsoever i'm not worried i'm not concerned like i know my future is positive and if you're watching this you're on the same timeline so the, the future is bright the future is positive and I'm super excited. All, when I look forward, all, all I can see is positivity and light, and I, f I feel really good. And I, it's almost like I can't connect to that 3D timeline anymore. And I'm, I'm aware of it. I can see it. I can hear it, but I can't feel it. So it, those timelines are doing that now. They're starting to move away from one another. So let me know in the comments what do you think. I thought it was remarkable. But, you know, it's kind of, it's all the unknown, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, a little bit nervous excited it's all it's it's here it's starting to happen so yeah share in the comments anyway your experiences did you feel the same have you felt there's a disconnect emotionally you can't connect to it now and you feel like you know we've we've shifted off i'd be interested to hear your thoughts anyway take care stay blessed thanks so much for being here i love you all unconditionally new earth here we come it's begun the timelines have begun to split this is a really important message please pull up a chair and listen i had a really interesting experience recently with self-hypnosis where i went to the pyramids of giza but what i saw there i didn't quite understand and then what happened right afterwards was really awesome but i still didn't quite understand exactly what i was seeing so basically how this started was i started off going up into the sky into a an et craft where my soul family is apparently and apparently there are always ET craft in our skies we just can't see them because they're existing on a different frequency or maybe it's in a different dimension I don't quite exactly know what's going on there but they're there all the time so anyway, that's a different story. What happened was, is right after I visited with them, I shot down to the surface of the earth and I came down right in front of one of the pyramids of Giza. I, I don't recall which pyramid it was, but I stood there looking around thinking, okay, now what do I do? And I'm thinking, am I supposed to go in? Is there a door? And it was as if the thought of what am I supposed to do now? Is there a door? Was the catalyst that I needed to move me forward. I ended up going through the pyramid to about the center of the pyramid and then I shot straight down 
into the earth below the pyramid. I don't know how far down I went. All I know is that I was suspended in this darkness somewhere below one of these pyramids. And right in front of me was this small, maybe about this big, ball of green, sparkly light or energy or something. And it was quite beautiful. And I just stayed there suspended with this ball of energy in front of me thinking, okay, well, when I thought, when I was outside the pyramid, what do I do now? Do I go in? The thought is what moved me forward. So I started mentally asking it questions. So I started saying, what is this? What does this mean? What am I supposed to do with this? And then I started thinking, well, maybe this is um, a, an actual energy being. Maybe this is a being of some sort. So I thought, what are you? Can you tell me about yourself? And there was still nothing. It was just there. So whatever that was, it just seemed to me like I'm not supposed to know what it is right now. I'm just supposed to know that there's something there. And I don't know if it's an actual energy ball or if that was, if that was a literal representation or if that was a metaphor for something else I, I really have no idea but what happened right after that is I shot to the surface and I was standing on the surface of the earth and the amazing thing that happened is all of these ET craft all different kinds were like coming in to land or flying across the sky I mean it looked like dozens maybe it was even thousands I'm getting chills just remembering it and the crazy part was that I was suddenly hit by this unexplained joy and this profound relief. I was hit with the thought, they've returned. I'm so glad they're back. I missed them so much. And then I thought, wait, wait a second. How could they return? I had no idea they were ever here to begin with. And I miss them? How can I miss something I didn't even know was here ever to begin with to where I could miss it now that it's returned? It really made no sense to me, but it, it was a very real feeling. I just don't have any explanation for it. It was just very real and it was so cool. I had a really interesting experience recently with self-hypnosis. We'll come back like a puzzle, yes, and I've been seeing craft mage at seven. Welcome to the ET Club. Pyramid still waiting for the chief cornerstone to return. Her ancestors are watching. An experience where I met God got this unexplainable abundance of love, joy, and security. them was tying into a past on January 22nd 2024 a planetary movement that has not occurred in 243 years will take place this week it will transform the lives of the entire zodiac definitively and two astrological signs will feel it fully but before we begin Hi there, I'm trying to watch TikToks and record. Today we're going to talk about what I sit on the Agriculture Committee. Right now we have the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill is where we get the SNAP benefits from. Guess who trying to cut the SNAP benefits? Republicans. Republicans. Guess how much people, I just want y'all to guess. 
How much do people get a day for SNAP benefits? I forgot. Millions of dollars, though. No, no, no. One person a oh, day. One person. To eat. How much do they get? $5. A day. They get $6 a day. $6 a day is all that they're getting in SNAP benefits. And I'm having a fight with Republicans that are like, it's too much money. Well, they buy popcorn. You can't do nothing with the money in the first place. They're like, well, we need to balance the budget. So I just want to be clear. We can walk and chew gum. $6 a day, we can feed people in this country for sure. And honestly, we need to be making sure that we're increasing the amount that they're, that they're getting because we know how much food is costing. But right now... I'm trying to hold the line and just get the dag on $6 a day. We have the money to do it all. The problem is we pit people against each other. We say, well, we can't feed y'all because we're sending money off to war. No, we can actually do it both. And we are demanded to do, do it both. We have 12 appropriations bills. The Republicans can't get none of them passed because the extremists say we want to cut it all. For people that are complaining about housing, we had a bill. You know what? When they put their appropriations up, they wanted to cut 30% of HUD. That's where you get your housing vouchers from. What? I sit on the Agriculture Committee. Right now, we have the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill is where we get the SNAP benefits from. Guess who trying to cut the SNAP benefits? Republicans. Republicans. Guess how much people... I just want y'all to guess. How much do people get a day for SNAP benefits? I forgot. Millions of dollars, though. No, no, no. One person a oh, day. Uh, yesterday, the 16th, was the our first day of trial in the case that I'm doing, uh, and it was Donald Trump's first day of trial in the second uh, E. Jean Carroll defamation case. Uh, about a year ago, uh, there was a trial, the first trial in that case. He was found liable for defamation and sexual assault against E. Jean Carroll and was ordered to pay her $5 million. That case has been appealed. In order to appeal that case, Donald Trump had to post a bond of $5 million. So if he loses that appeal, that money goes to E. Jean Carroll immediately. So today we've got a slew of stories about E. Jean Carroll in that trial, starting with the fact that uh, <laughs> the, the day before this trial was supposed to start, Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina, and two other attorneys who worked with Joe Tacopina quit. They quit the case. Uh, they left. And a former Trump attorney, Tim Parlatore, uh, was on Ari Melberg yesterday uh, and said that uh, Takapina was in over his head. Nobody likes him. He was a guy who hadn't tried a case in a decade, and he screwed up the first E. Jean Carroll case that resulted in a $5 million verdict against his client because he barely cross-examined e. e. Jean Carroll, the main witness in the case. He didn't call another witness that he prepped. And he hadn't tried a case in about a decade, and he came into this one cold, and he would, he just did a crappy job, and so he just said, screw it, I quit. So, <laughs> there's that. Trump has told the judge in this case that he wants to testify. There's so many things wrong with that. Uh, and the judge warned him about that. Trump has already been found liable for defamation and sexual assault, this same judge later adjudicated as a matter of facts on the law, inconsistent with New York state law, the behavior, the actions that Donald Trump was found liable for as far as the sexual assault is consistent with rape under the New York penal codes. And so, but Donald Trump has said, I want to testify. Um, but because he's already been found liable, this trial is only about damages. 
uh, as is the New York uh, civil trial that's going on that we expect a judgment from Judge Anger on any day now, uh, where Letitia James has asked for $370 million. He's already been found liable in that case as well, and that trial was just about damages. This current E. Jean Carroll trial is only about damages, and I think she's asking for $10 million this time. I kind of expect the jury to award her more than $10 million because of things like this. Donald Trump smears E. Jean Carroll on social media while sitting in the courtroom with E. Jean Carroll. Yeah, like 22, 44 times. This is what having no client control looks 50 like. times. So yesterday, the first day of trial, Donald Trump posted something like 22 posts to Truth Social, further defaming and harassing E. Jean Carroll while he sat in the courtroom with E. Jean Carroll because he's getting sued by mm. E. Jean Carroll for doing the things... <clears throat> that he did in the courtroom yesterday while he sat in the courtroom with E. Jean <laughs> Carroll. So, yeah. Uh, yesterday, the 16th, was the our first day of trial. Let's see what uh, it's in a, co a comment. Coffee with Hawk. I know this is a long-time follower committed. Coffee with Hawk. Judge needs to pull a Wilson of keep E. Jean Carroll's name out of your mouth. <laughs> e. G. is my hero. Her going after him again was a queen move. She'll keep doing it all as well. You're seeming complete. Incomplete. Incompetent. Incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is all that? Can't make this stuff up. You should make t-shirts or sweatshirts with the Coffee with Hawk logo. He's a toddler. Can't help himself. Mike is really good at doing out of one voice. Nice job, Hawk. Good job. Hop, skip, drive is like... Right, so one thing I can't get out of my head... Oh, I thought it stopped. Okay, we're listening to TikToks. Why do we lose sense of time when we're sleeping? Why do we? Lose sense of time when we're sleeping. Why do we lose sense of time when we're sleeping? Try now. It, you understand what I mean by now. Yeah. And if we represent the past, we could imagine that the past is, is like a, a vast space that extends endlessly.
behind the now. And the future is a vast space that extends indefinitely in front of the now. Yes. And the distance between the past and the future is what we call time. Yes. Or the distance between two events in the past or, or the future. So, so now let, let's explore time, the past and the future. So now just for a few moments, leave the now and visit this place that you call the past. I, when I say visit it, I, I don't mean just think about it or imagine it, because if you think about it, let's take, say you take the image. Well, that's not good. Federal judge in Colorado insists that... And look where that article's from. I'm a gun owner, and I believe in the Second Amendment, too. No, they haven't been trying to take our guns. Let me just... Well, that's not good. Federal judge in Colorado... Okay, hold on. My name again is Arthur Yu, and I'm a 41-year-old American and a new dad with an aggressive cancer called acute myeloid leukemia, or AML. My only hope is a bone marrow transplant from a specific donor in the Philippines. Here's where I am today. My donor's request for a visa to travel to the U.S. was denied by the State Department on December 18th. The reason given was 214B, or a generic reason stating that we can't prove that he won't come home after the trip. Yesterday, January 10, my donor was denied his visa again for the same reason. This time, we provided 20 times more documentation than the U.S. Embassy called for. Additionally, we had letters from my doctor stating the reason for the travel is urgent, life-saving, and must be done in the United States. Also, we had letters from Via the Match stating that my donor is a unique match for me. Lastly, thanks to all your support, we had letters and character references from Senator Alex Padilla, Congressman Adam Schiff, and Congressman Ted Lieu. With all the evidence we had, it would have been an open and shut case in a court of law. Unfortunately, this is not a court of law. It's a decision made by a single consul interviewer who did not care to even review the documents. It's clear to me now that the consul interviewer had no intention of ever letting the donor into this country. And without reviewing the documents, the only data that person had was the donor's looks. But that's a different matter for a different time, and here's what I need today. I've been in contact with Senator Padilla, and they suggest that I file for something called humanitarian parole. However, they cannot guarantee that this will work or even how long it will take. Since I've exhausted my local government's resources, I need your help getting the help of federal government, specifically Kamala Harris. She's helped other Americans with cancer who had the same problem as me when she was California Senator. And I'm hoping that she can do the same for me now that she is Vice President. Yep, yep, yep. She's got a lot more important things to do, but I'm hoping she finds the time. <laughs> so please ask Vice President Harris if she can contact the U.S. Embassy in Manila and Department of Homeland Security so that both organizations are aware of my case and the legitimacy of the request to save my life. Again, the implication is bigger than me. Non-Caucasian Americans already have less than 50% chance, or less than a coin flip, of finding a donor, if you ever are in need. As I have painfully found out, 
even if you magically find a donor in another part of the world, unless that person fits a subjective ideal of what a consul interviewer will allow into this country, even a senator as a character witness won't matter in your case. So please register for Be The Match because we need to shore up our domestic supply of bone marrow donors. So I hate to ask again, but if you know anyone in the media, please share my story. Hello and good day. I'm Prophet Thomas, better known as the Woke Prophet, and today I want to talk about the words Amen. Some people pronounce it uh, Amen. Um, same thing, Amen and Amen. So I want to talk about uh, exactly what this word means. I know there's a lot of people that are going around that are using certain words and not knowing the, not knowing the meaning. Because, of course, uh, we've been using these words pretty much all our lives. So a lot of these words are just being passed down generation to generation. Now, first of all, Amun-Ra uh, was an Egyptian god, all right? So Amun-Ra was an Egyptian god. Um, and back in the ancient Egyptian times, um, they used to worship multiple gods. So during this time, of course, this was, this was before Christ. So this was before Yeshua was walking the face of the earth. So B.C., before Christ. Now, again, they, they worship multiple gods. Now, they had a uh, pharaoh by the name of Egnopton, all right? Now, this pharaoh would worship these multiple gods, and he realized that, that uh, Amun-Ra was the strongest or the, the most powerful god of them all. So instead of worshiping multiple gods, he told his people, he said, okay, we would just worship this one God. This God has the most power out of all of them. So we're not going to worship multiple gods. We're just going to just worship this one God, which is uh, Amun-Ra. So what this Pharaoh did was he told his people, he said, what we're going to do is when you pray, I want you to end your prayers with Amen. And the reason why he told his people to do this, because he said, I, I want everyone to give Amen-Ra praise. So again, Amen, or Amen, however you want to pronounce it, but he told the people to put this word at the end of the prayers, and this would show uh, that they were praising um, Amen-Ra. Now, let's talk about what um, Amen, or Amen-Ra, let's talk about what, what, what that word means. So, uh, Amun-Ra, his name means the hidden one or the secret one. So, I'm going to say it again. The hidden one or the secret one. All right? So, we know just by that, uh, it's some type of deception that's going on. He's hiding, you know, whoever this guy is, they're hiding behind something. It is, it's a secret. Also, uh, they will call him the supreme God. Now, What's funny about this is uh, I've made videos about Freemasons and um, Eastern stars. Now, with Freemasons, they worship something called the Supreme Being. All right? Um, a lot of them may say that's not true, but there actually are videos that are out here, and um, they're telling you that they worship the Supreme Being. All right? So, uh, again, I'm in raw. They call him the supreme God, and then you have Freemasons, supreme being. It is the same thing, and I'll talk about that too. 
Now, um, so what I'm getting at too with the Freemasons, uh, they, they, this is one of the, the people that they worship. Now, a lot of Freemasons and Eastern stars, uh, the lower level ones, they have no clue. But the ones that have been in this for quite some time, they they, they know that they know that this is true. Now, um, who is Amun Ra? Who is the, the hidden one, the secret one, or the supreme god? This is Lucifer. So this was Lucifer back in Egyptian times. And a lot of people, they don't know that. All right? They have no clue. So you're running around, you're saying, amen. Um, and again, with that word, amen, um, even in the Old Testament, this word was in the Old Testament over 30 times. In the New Testament, I believe it's like, 162 times, all right, that this word is in the Bible. I've made numerous videos speaking about the Bible. Uh, the Most High God has come to me and told me those are not his words. So there's a lot of fake information that is in the Bible that's misleading you. Um, and I, you know, and I've made videos talking about different verses that make absolutely no sense, you know, so, but anyway, I'm going to stay on topic. So, Again, Amen Ra. So that's what we're talking about. So one thing that uh, the Most High God did, so he gave me this message. So he gave me this message. He said that uh, my people, prayers are being stolen. And um, that's why some of the prayers are not being answered because they're being stolen. The reason why they're being stolen because most people in their prayers were Amen or Amen. Right? So when you're saying this word, again, you are praising Lucifer. So some of us, we get into these deep prayers, and then at the end, you end that prayer with Amen, and guess what you just did? You just prayed to Lucifer, and you don't even know it. You just prayed to Lucifer. So a lot of people ask me, well, what words you know, should we use in place of that? So you can use Yeshua, which a lot of people are still saying, Jesus, that name is totally wrong. All right? Jesus is wrong. All of this Elohim and uh, Yah, Yahweh, all of these, he has one name. His name is Yeshua Hamashiach. A lot of these other names are demonic names, uh, and people are using these names and don't know it. His name is Yeshua Hamashiach. Um, so you can end your prayers, and uh, instead of saying Amen, you can say in the name of the Most High God. You can say in the name of Yeshua. So those are some ways that you can um, that you can end your prayer. Now, again, remember um, ancient Egyptian times. This was before Christ walked the earth. So uh, every, all of this stuff is pagan stuff. So the gods are what we call pagan gods or false gods. So I do a lot of deliverance works when I'm when I'm a lot of different deliverance work when I'm working with people, and I'm seeing that they have the unk tattooed on their body. You know, that's the cross with like the uh, hoop at the top, or they're having different Egyptian signs, e Egyptian symbols. And I have to take them through deliverance because these tattoos have opened up a portal and allowed demons to enter them. So whatever you read, whoever you talk to, I'm not telling you what I heard. This is what I deal with. Every day with deliverance and removing these demons from these people because they're getting these Egyptian symbols on their bodies. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. Uh, again, Yeshua wasn't walking the face of the earth, and this was before Christ. So everything back then was worshiping pagan gods, worshiping false gods. So if you're getting anything on your body that is ancient, related to ancient Egypt, it is demonic. 
I can assure you that that is the mind. Again, I've worked with uh, too many people I've lost count with different symbols, um, ancient Egyptian symbols, uh, faces of different gods, and it opens up portals for demons to enter you. And again, I've worked with several people uh, that had these issues. Now, um, <clears throat> I would say stay away from this word, you know, stay away from it, uh, because again, you are praying to Lucifer. Um, so this word, amen, amen, stay away from the word, because every time you're praying, Lucifer is, he's intercepting, he's stealing your prayers. Now, when I got that information and I decided to put a video out, I had like a small attack. Like, as soon as I said, okay, I'm going to make a video, uh, Satan automatically attacked me. Um, I felt a lot of pressure on my chest, a lot of pressure on my heart, and then it released. So I knew that he didn't want me to put this information out. I've made previous videos um, also that you can go check out when it's actually a high-ranking a high Satanist that talks about this as well. And how the Satanists, how they use uh, Amen or Amen at the end of their prayers to uh, worship Lucifer. And again, um, a lot of the Christians, a lot of the believers, they don't know. So a lot of these Satanists, they, they'll kind of look and they'll laugh at uh, God's people because it's just so many things that uh, you think that you're doing right and you're, you know, and you're actually doing wrong. And you're opening doors for these demons to enter your body. So you're probably going to, you know, discuss this with other people. And they'll say, oh, that's not right. You know, I'm in raw. You know, it's the sun god. It's this god. I can tell you, it is Lucifer. It is Lucifer. And I will also encourage you, too, to pray and fast on it for yourself. Pray and fast on it. And remember, when you're speaking to God, because a lot of people say, oh, God or Father, call him by his name. Because this stuff is very tricky out here. You know, when you're praying, say the Most High God, say Yeshua, because when you're just saying God, there are other gods out here that are false gods, and it's not about your intentions all the time. So call him by his name, Yeshua, and the Most High God, and that way you know your prayers are getting directly to him. Everyone have a safe and blessed day. Hello and good day. I'm Prophet Thomas, better known as the Woke Prophet, and today... <laughs> oh, uh, black people wouldn't really act in scary movies. <laughs> Gotta love black people. Awesome. Vivek Ramaswamy has come up with a brilliant new campaign strategy. If you can't beat them, manufacture a conspiracy theory and save them. His tactic may have changed the minds of one Trump voter. Watch. They are. They're scared of Trump. Oh, they're, they are scared. And they will stop at nothing, but we're not going to let him get away with it. I've got fresh legs. I'm not wounded. That's they're not going to let this man do it. You know, when you this said eliminate, that gave me a show. Because I'm scared. Because you think it's false or because you think it's true? I think it's true. Yeah. 
I think they will stop the music to stop them. Stop Trump. I am, I, it's sad, but it's the truth. You want to save Trump, you vote for me. I'm telling yeah. you that. You have a, you vote for Trump. You're sending He's him. He's a sledgehammer. No, but you're sending him to his own demise. You're falling into the trap that not only a country's falling in, that he's falling. You want to save Trump, you vote for me. I honestly don't even know what to say. I, I don't. <laughs> for the first time, I'm, I'm actually speechless. <laughs> I mean, scaring the shit out of poor Sue in middle of America <laughs> for a vote. I mean, the manipulation tactic is just masterful. <laughs> I can't. And of course, Donald Trump was not having any of it. He attacked Ramaswamy and accused him of engaging in, quote, deceitful campaign tricks. A vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Vivek is not MAGA. Trump's senior advisor also attacked Ramaswamy on social media, calling him a fraud in response to a photo showing supporters of Mr. Ramaswamy wearing shirts displaying Trump's mugshot that said, save Trump, vote Vivek. What a pickle this must put. Trump supporters in. I mean, they truly believe to their core that everybody is out to get Donald Trump, and they love him just so damn much that they can't let that happen. The drama, it was so dramatic. <laughs> I'm no. Dude, this is good. For the last three years, we've gotten very used to ignoring everything this man says, and it's been good for our mental health, for just trying to move on and progress as a nation. We thought we were leaving him on the ash heap of history, so let's just ignore what he's screaming on the margins of society. But on Monday, 56,000 Iowa soy boys chose Donald Trump as their caucus king, so now he is the presuming frontrunner of the Republican Party and probably going to be one of the two old men who were born before the forming of the nation of Israel who will be running for the presidency of the United States this November 2024. So we need to start paying attention as to what this guy is saying. We can't just look back on 2016 to 2020 and say, hey, I feel like people saw enough. They won't vote for him again. No, you have to actually look at what he's been saying since he's been out of office. So let's start with what he posted today on True Social, the knockoff Twitter website that he made for himself after he got kicked off because it's the only ramification that he faced for committing January 6th and sending a violent mob to murder Mike Pence in the middle of the U.S. Capitol. He has stated that the president can commit any crimes while he's president. That's what he is stating in all caps, like your uncle on Facebook, because you posted the wrong flag emoji somewhere in your profile. That's right. That's exactly what is happening here in this post. Donald Trump has stated that a president of the United States must have full immunity. Without it, it would be impossible for them to properly function. He then goes on to state that they have to, sometimes presidents have to cross a line, you know? But here's what's crazy. This is only half the argument, because Donald Trump is currently in court because he's being indicted for crimes he committed while president. And one of the things that's happened is his actual lawyers in front of Donald Trump, while Donald Trump was present in the courtroom, this wasn't hyperbole, this wasn't some bullshit. Trump's lawyer, who he has hired, he hasn't paid, but he has hired, stated to a judge that the president of the United States could use SEAL Team 6 to murder political rivals, and unless that person is both impeached 
and found guilty by the Senate, no one can try them for a crime. So Donald Trump here is stating, equivocally, that he can murder whoever he wants as president. He can kill, he can do, he can crime anywhere he wants in the entire world, including all across the United States, and it will not matter unless you impeach him and find him guilty while he's in office, which he knows you can't do because you need 67 votes to do that in the Senate, and Ted Cruz exists. Also, here at the bottom of this argument, he argues that he has the same capabilities as president as a cop. Uh, so, you know, instead of, remember 2020 and everything we thought about cops? Uh, he, he's, that's his argument here is, I'm just like the 2020 cops. So instead of, instead of ACAB, he's arguing APAB. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's going to get worse. I just want you to know that. It's going to get worse. For the last three years, we've gotten very used to ignoring everything this man says, and it's been good for our mental health, for just trying to move on and progress yeah. as a nation. The world governments do not want you to know who the final boss is, and it's not BlackRock. Pay attention and listen. What if I told you that all corporations are actually just one giant mega corporation? And I'm not talking about metaphorically, and I'm not talking about BlackRock. I'm talking about what's really behind BlackRock. So let's break it down real simple. If you're going to go grocery shopping at a corporate grocery store, all of these corporations are owned by these institutions. They're highlighted in red if they're on all four of these sheets. They're darker orange if they're on three of them and light orange if they're on two. And there's only a couple that only appear once. It's mostly the same money. But we go deeper. If you go for the biggest tech companies, it's basically the exact same list for all four of these. That would be... Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, Geode, which is similar to Fidelity Associated, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and then Northern Trust is on three of them, and Capital World Investors is the exact same thing as Capital Research and Management Company. So you might think, okay, these are the institutions that own the whole stock market, but who owns them? And see, if you've been around here for a minute, you already know. They all own each other, just a giant cross-ownership pool, and this is where it gets really interesting. See, way back before I'd even posted a single video, I was sitting in my office reading this report from an anonymous user on Reddit. And he had noticed the exact same thing that I'm talking about right now. And he wrote a program to put all of that data into a visualization so we can see who owns who. And I'm about to show you what he figured out. Let's take BlackRock, for example. This is a list of the top institutional owners of BlackRock and how much of the company they own. And if you visualize it, it looks like this, where the whole square is all of BlackRock's stock, and they get a percentage of that square based on how much they own. And the important colors to note are that white symbolizes us, retail investors, and gray symbolizes insiders that work at the company. So that would be like Larry Fink's stock, among other people. And everything else is other giant corporations, investment banks, like BlackRock themselves own a little bit, State Street owns some. Capital World Management owns some. Bank of America owns some. You see how this works? But then you think about it and you're like, well, wait a minute, because all of these institutions are owned by other institutions, right? So what if we put that data in here? Well, he did. And it looks like this. And you realize that all of this that was owned by Merrill Lynch is actually owned by all of these other institutions and a little bit of us retail up there at the top. But here, we've only replaced Merrill Lynch's section. What about all of these guys? Well, then it looks like this. Remember, white is retail investors like you and me, and everything else is giant mega corporations. And if you go one layer deeper, filling in all those corporations with their corporations, you see how this program's working? And so then, 
we simplify it to just black, gray, and white. And this is who owns BlackRock. White is retail investors like you and me. Gray is insiders at all of these corporations like CEOs and other executives. And black is just corporations owning each other. We'll call it Megacorp. This is the same process done for Bank of America and for State Street and for Best Buy, Amazon, Macy's. Groceries, food, ingredients, building and selling homes, even less white, meaning us, retail ownership. As far as I can tell, there's only one company on the entire stock market that is not owned by Megacorp. And you guess who it is? Do you know? It's GameStop. So this photo's out of date because it's from a few years ago. It probably looks more like this if you believe the public info, which is a big if. But more on that another time. This is not a video about GameStop. This is about Megacorp. Because see, when all of the owners own each other, all of their interests are aligned. BlackRock wants State Street to do well because State Street wants BlackRock to do well because they both own each other. So who is the real final boss behind all the money? Well, isn't that the million dollar question? And ever since I've been asking those more important questions, my follower growth went from this to this. So you're not gonna find those answers on this channel. You're gonna have to go follow me in other places. All I'll say for now, is that the next time you buy a product from a corporation like Nike or Costco or Best Buy or Amazon or any of these corporations, you're buying it from the mega corporation. They're all owned by the same big money. And it's all one big siphon, just vacuuming money out of our pockets up to the people on top. The world governments do not want you to know who the final boss is. And it's not BlackRock. Pay attention and listen. All right, so let's talk about homophobia in jail. Okay, so when I was on Rikers Island, right, I was on my way to court. And if you've been to Rikers Island, you know, like, it's ran by gangs. And the gang was blood. So there was this one blood dude on a bus, like, on going to court with us that was just talking. Like, just talking about how tough he is, about how much work he done put in. And everybody that walked by, he would see if there was blood, too. But we had this uh, one short little Spanish gay guy coming with us to go to court and he was in like a separate housing um he was in like pc protective custody because where i was it was maximum security and there's a big difference i cannot stress this enough there is a big huge colossal difference from being in a maximum security jail to being in a minimum security jail and i've been in both i've been in maximum and i've been in minimum and in maximum Bro, they, they don't play that. Like, they go, they're homophobic as hell. And somebody commented on one of my last videos talking about how he had a different experience that he couldn't get the guys off of him. I'm just, good, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you didn't have to experience what I'm talking about. Because there's a thing, right? They, they say, once you get in jail, you have to stay away from the three Gs. You want to know what those three Gs are? Gangs, gambling, and gays. Like, that's a saying people say. If you want to stay out of trouble, stay away from the three Gs. And if that's not homophobic, then uh, I don't know what is. But back to the court guy. So, long story short, we're on our way back to court. And the tough blood guy, he gets handcuffed. Because we go get handcuffed with somebody. But he got handcuffed with the gay guy. And that whole time, he's like, damn, man, your motherfuckers got me attached to this thing. Because that's how they talk about gay people. They're not as people. They're things. They're it.
ridiculous. But he's talking all that shit. Uh, and then when we get on the bus, bro, you get on the bus. And him and the gay guy go straight to the back of the bus, right? They go back of the bus. And the dude, once you start driving, he's telling, telling the bus driver, like, yo, turn off the lights. Turn off the light. Because the back of the bus be lit up. Um, so he turned off the lights and started getting his dick sucked by the gay guy. And I'm sitting, like, two seats ahead of him so i can like i hear i hear him getting his dick sucked and i'm sitting there like what the fuck i got it i'm just looking straight like i don't want to look back i don't want to see that yeah we get off the bus we get back to rikers he's finished getting his dick sucked and i'm like well i can't believe he did that because he was talking all this shit and here you are getting your dick sucked Anyway, whatever. But it was crazy, though. So when I went back to my housing area, I'm thinking, like, yo, bro, I got to talk to somebody about this because that's wild. But the shit that was, I didn't, what was I thinking? Like, the, the closest person I had at the time was this blood dude, and he had, like, rank. So I'm telling him the shit, and I'm like, yo, bro, tell me why homie was in a bus getting his dick sucked. And he was talking mad shit. And bro, like, oh, were you blood? I'm like, yeah, bro, he was blood. I heard him piecing ah. And this is his name right here. I should have never said nothing, bro. Or at least I should have never said who he was, his name. Because once that happened, bro, the next day, we had two other blood dudes, like two big blood dudes. And they wanted to talk to me. They was like, yo, bro, you're not lying, right? Like, because... What I heard, that, like, that's wild. Like, you, you're not lying, right? Like, they was they was on me. Like, nigga, bro, I don't got no reason to lie. Like, that shit is it's crazy. I, I didn't see that. I never, like, I didn't know what to do. So I, I talked to somebody about it. And they kicked him out the whip. They found out who he was. And they said, you can no longer be blood. And he had to go check into PC, protective custody. Like, I felt mad bad because I was the one who told, you know, I was the one who spread the news that bro was on a DL. I should have honestly just minded my business, but that shit was just, uh, it was too crazy. I needed to talk to somebody about it. But I can tell you one thing, bro. Those other dudes, two blood dudes, like, they did not like me after that. <laughs> they ain't really like me to, this, to begin with because I'm not blood and the big blood dude in the house really fucked with me and they didn't like that. Like, whenever homie would smoke, he would make sure I would smoke with him before the other blood dudes and they did not like that at all but i already i already know like that like even though they were they were blood like they were in two different sets so they they didn't feel obligated to take care of the other homie um because they had other max in the crib and he wasn't mac he was something else um so yeah they just didn't like me because i wasn't blood and then bro slid paperwork under myself so because to try to like convince me to turn him blood bro <laughs> like people were crazy but anywho that's that's the end of the story i hope you don't get locked up and i hope you're not gay getting locked up or if you are gay getting locked up i hope you're taking care of yourself and you're staying safe because you know it's wild bro and if you're getting locked up i still hope you're taking care of yourself straight people get I'm not a lawyer, but that didn't stop me from reading through all of the available docs regarding Fonnie Willis, her boyfriend, his wife, and the Trump Rico case. Let me give you a recap about what's going on. This is Fonnie Willis. She is the Fulton County District Attorney, Fulton County in Atlanta, Georgia, and she is responsible for many of the high-profile cases that you hear coming out of Georgia. 
the YSL RICO case, Miss Bonnie Willis. The YFN RICO case, Miss Bonnie Willis. The Trump RICO case, Miss Bonnie Willis. She's kind of a big deal. Well, meet Michael Roman. He was a Trump campaign aide, and he is one of the 19 defendants charged in that Trump RICO case. And last week, Michael Roman and his attorney filed a motion to dismiss the RICO case and to disqualify Fonnie Willis and her office from prosecuting the case. Because according to them, one of the special prosecutors that she hired to prosecute the RICO case is actually her boyfriend. And they said she ain't mentioned that part when she hired him. And they also say that this boyfriend of hers is underqualified, overpaid, and he's using the money that he gets for working on the case to go on trips with Willis. They also say that because Fonnie Willis never received approval to hire this guy, which they say is Georgia Law, the indictments that he assisted in getting are effectively invalid, have to be thrown out. Okay, let's start with the first point. Is that her man? The motion says that while it's not clear when the relationship started, individuals familiar with the situation say that Fonnie Willis and the man, whose name is Nathan Wade, were romantically involved prior to her hiring him to work on this case. It says that the two have cohabitated together in some form or fashion, and that on November 2nd, 2021, which was one day after Nathan Wade officially started working on this case, he filed for divorce from his wife. Oh, did I mention that? He was married. His divorce is still not finalized, and the proceedings for that are sealed. You know I checked. But Nathan's ex has apparently provided bank statements recently that confirm that Nathan Wade has purchased tickets for both himself and Fonnie Willis to places like Napa Valley, the Caribbean, and to cruises, which only matters because this motion claims that if Nathan is getting paid for working on this case, and then spending some of the money on Willis, that means she is directly benefiting from the prosecution of this case, which would be a violation of her oath of office. Okay, now let's get into underqualified but overpaid. The motion says that based on speaking with individuals familiar with Nathan Wade and additional research done by Michael's attorney, Nathan Wade has never prosecuted a single felony trial. They say in a district where there are a number of fully capable attorneys who have experiences in prosecuting RICO cases and at the very least criminal trials, Bonnie Willis chose to hire Nathan Wade, who has no experience in either. And according to them, she's paid him a total of $653,881 over the span of a little over two years. And for the sake of comparison, Bonnie Willis has paid $198,266 per year. Okay, now let's talk about this approval that they're saying she didn't get and why that's a problem. The motion says that in 2021, Fonnie Willis presented to the Board of Commissioners seeking to get additional money for her district to clear her backlog of cases. Some of it was just a backlog, some of it was from COVID, and she also said that crime was on the rise in the district and she needed resources to address it. So the Board of Commissioners approved that request and give her the funding. This matters because the motion says that that money that she got didn't go to COVID backlog. It instead has been used to pay Nathan Wade and prosecute this case, allegedly. The motion also notes that Fonnie presenting to the board in 2021 proves that she is aware of how to get approval from that board. But yet she chose not to get approval when it was time to hire Wade. And the motion says that she knew if she went to go get approval, they were going to ask her about her relationship with him and about his work experience. 
and she didn't want to answer that. The motion also says that prior to beginning work on this case, Nathan Wade never filed his oath of office. So according to Georgia law, he was never authorized to serve as a special prosecutor, which therefore means all of the work he's done, again, is invalid. So they say the indictment is void and that Fani and her office should be disqualified because of the conflict of interest on the case. Fani has until February 2nd to file a written response to this motion and an actual hearing has been scheduled for February 15th to talk about it all. But one more thing, remember how I said the divorce between Nathan and his ex, whose name is Jocelyn Wade, is not final yet? Well, child, Jocelyn, through her attorneys, has now subpoenaed Fonnie Willis to be deposed regarding her relationship with Nathan Wade. Fonnie got the subpoena and responded asking that the judge grant a protective order, which would mean that Fonnie cannot be deposed in this divorce because according to her, there isn't anything that she can say that will change the outcome of this irretrievably broken marriage, especially considering that the marriage was over after, quote, Jocelyn confessed to having an adulterous relationship with Nathan's longtime friend. Child, this is messy. Bonnie says Jocelyn is doing this just to harass her and damage her professional reputation. A hearing has been set for January 31st in the divorce proceedings because now Jocelyn wants all the divorce docs to be unsealed so we all can see them. This video was long, but I want to play this clip of Fonnie Willis at church last Sunday, seemingly addressing some of these allegations. Why does Commissioner Thorne and so many others question my decision as a special counsel? I appointed three special counsels, as is my right to do, paid them all the same hourly rate. I hired one white woman, I hired one white man, and I hired one black man. Isn't it them who's playing the race card when they only question one? Now y'all know, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if any of this will stand, but for the sake of optics, this don't look good. I'm not a lawyer, but that didn't stop me from reading through all of the available docs regarding Fonnie Willis, her boyfriend, his wife, and the Trump Rico case. Let me give you a recap about what's going on. This is Fonnie Willis. She is the Fulton County District Attorney, Fulton County in Atlanta, Georgia, and she is responsible for many of the high-profile cases that you hear coming out of Georgia. The YSL Rico case, Miss Fonnie Willis. The YSN Rico case, Miss Fonnie Willis. The Trump Rico case, Miss. parks i've loved them my whole life and when i was younger my favorite theme park ever was universal studios florida my favorite ride ever was the back to the future ride about 15 years ago they replaced it forever with the simpsons ride the day before they closed it forever my dad and i went to the park to ride it one final time we get there early we get our tickets we get to the ride we get through the queue the attendant straps us into the ride but it does not start on time because they gave up on taking care of the ride the maintenance was done on it the smoke machine went haywire the sound didn't sync up with the movie and the motion sensor went so haywire i got nauseous and i nearly threw up when the ride was over, the attendant asked all of us, how was your final time riding the Back to the Future ride? I said it was amazing. He goes, you said it was broken. Why would it be amazing still? I said, finally, for the first time of riding this in 25 years, you guys almost made me feel like I was Michael J. Fox. Theme parks, I've loved them my whole life. 
And when I was younger, my favorite theme park ever was Universal Studios Florida. My favorite ride ever was the Back to the Future ride. About 15 years ago, they replaced it forever with the Simpsons ride. The day before... All right, I honestly don't know if anyone's even going to see this video, but for those of you that have been wondering where I've been and why I've not been making content, the truth is I have here on TikTok, but for whatever reason, the videos are just sitting at zero and not moving. Um, I'm being told that they're being processed. Uh, I attempted at one point to make them private. I thought maybe if I made them private and then re-released them, that might work. But uh, when I made them private, I got a message from TikTok saying that... Um, they were no longer eligible for the creative program. And then I made them public again, and I got a notification saying your video is now eligible and it's completely restored, but that it's being processed. <laughs> and there's been several videos just hanging there for three or four days now, uh, still setting at zero. So it's super frustrating because I have the largest following of any of my social media. I have my largest following here on TikTok. This is where it all started for me doing this kind of content. And I really enjoy the community. I enjoy Thank all the creators. Know. And I've been watching you guys. I mean, uh, I, I'm still sitting back and enjoying Mr. Global and I'm enjoying Tom Powell and I'm enjoying the villain and I'm enjoying all sorts of great people that I love watching. But, um, and I've left comments, but as far as me putting out videos, they just stay there stuck at zero. It's like every time I make two steps forward on this app, I get knocked two steps back. And I know if I mention other places that I'm doing content, that will just suppress the video even further. So if you want to know what my thoughts are about events that have happened over the last four or five days, I've been giving them. Uh, they've just not been released here. So you can check me out on the app that begins with you and ends with tube. And uh, <laughs> if you check me out over there, I seem to be gaining some traction there and people are talking to me over there. But uh, again, if this video even got out to you guys, I want to be part of this app and I want to do content here and I'm going to keep trying. I'll keep trying to see if this bug ever works itself out, but right now I'm just, just sitting here. So hope everyone's huh. doing well. All right. I honestly don't know if anyone's even going which really made me wonder why so many white supremacists are pro-life, right? <laughs> really, I'm not condoning their views. I'm just surprised you don't see white hoods at the women's march, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. If they had any brains, RBG would be their hero, dude. Oh, racist, man. They're dumb, man. They got, like, bad logic or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, I saw a stat that said some years in New York City, more black babies are aborted than born. Which really made me wonder why so many white supremacists are pro-life. Right? Really, I'm not condoning their views. I'm just surprised you don't see white hoods at the women's march, you know? Yeah, if they had any brains, RBG would be their hero, dude. Racist, man, they're dumb. People feel as if it's when you're doing bad that's when you need to do tutoring, or there's the stigma against tutoring that you're not as brilliant or you're not as smart, so you need tutoring. Travis, and I work for the city of Riverton. Um, I'm currently filling in on a garbage route for the original driver because she's at a funeral. And this morning I had a situation. I went to empty a dumpster at City Park and a head popped out of it. Mm. And it was a lady frozen to the bottom of a garbage can. Oh my god.
It had just snowed. It is cold. And I helped her get unfrozen because her clothes were frozen to the bottom of the dumpster. I didn't know what to do. So I let her inside the truck to warm up. And I called my parents. They came and got her. And they took her to the house to get a bath, wash her clothes. And I am currently trying to figure out what to do because my town here in Riverton does not have a shelter for homeless people. But while I was waiting for my parents, I stopped at a gas station so that I could get her some stuff. And she bought me stuff, not the other way around. So I'm hoping this can go viral and maybe people will want to help her so that she doesn't fucking die and turn into a popsicle. My name is Travis, and I work for the city of Riverton. Um, I'm currently filling in on a garbage route for the original driver, because she's at a funeral. And this morning, I had a situation. I went to empty a dumpster at City Park, and a head popped out of it. And it was a lady frozen to the bottom of a garbage can. It had just snowed. It is cold. And I helped her get unfrozen because her clothes were frozen to the bottom of the dumpster. I didn't know what to do. So I let her inside the truck to warm up. And I called my parents. They came and got her. And they took her to the house to get a bath, wash her clothes. And I am currently trying to figure out what to do because my town here in Riverton does not have a shelter. This comment is from Emmanuel. He's actually someone I've spoken to. He lives in a town called Bunagana in eastern Congo near the border with Uganda. Emmanuel runs a youth organization and he's hosting about 500 people, 500 youths in his compound. Um, Emmanuel told me about how yesterday he went to a nearby town to collect some donations. And when he came back, he found that a group of teenagers had been massacred by rebels. These rebels said that these teenagers, 13, 14 year olds, were spying on them and so they had to go. This kind of carnage, this kind of slaughter is a daily occurrence in Emmanuel's part of the world. And there has been a sustained effort by international corporate media to hide this fact for decades. We have to ask ourselves why why all this pain and suffering has been going on in Eastern Congo and why we don't know about it, don't know enough about it. It has to sit on our conscience, the fact that the war in Congo benefits us directly. That has to be something we think about. Congo has to become a mainstream issue. What do I mean by that? Congo has to become a campaign issue. Public Law 109456. Go and look it up. This law requires that people who are causing the aggression in Eastern Congo face the consequences. And that's not happening right now. Accountability. The U.S. has to stop funding these rebel groups. People are losing their lives at a rate that we cannot compute. It just, we cannot imagine. And it's all happening 
while the world looks on. And it has to come to an end. It has to stop. This fatalistic sense about what the wars in Congo, like it's just something that happens. No, no. These people deserve to live in peace and security on their land. The Congo people. This comment is from Emmanuel. He's actually someone I've spoken to. He lives in... When people say, what are you doing? You say, things that please me. And they say, toward what end? And you say, pleasure. And they say, but really, what are you working on? And you say, having a good time. And I say, but what do you hope to accomplish? And you say, living happily ever after. And they say, but what do you want to leave as your legacy? And you say, I was a happy one. And they say, but what is the mark that you want to leave? Life is joyous. But what is the value that you see in, in contributing to this time-space reality? I'm joyful. But do, what do you hope to accomplish? Being happy? Mm -hmm. It's hard for people to wrap their thoughts around that, and yet that's what all of existence is about, you see. When people say, what are you doing? You say, things that please me. And they say, toward what end? And you say, pleasure. And they say, but really, what are you working on? And you say, having a good time. And I say, half black, half white, but looks white. Blue eyes, whiter than most white folks, very white. Uh, she and I, you know, we kind of grew up together. We raised our children together. Uh, so they're first cousins. And we, you know, it's a wonderful, very, very multicultural family. So we're going in a safe way one day. And um, Kathleen, my, my sister-in-law, is in front of me. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, writing a check for her groceries. Now, my daughter, who at the time was 10 years old, was standing with me, and I was directly behind her, you know, getting ready to get my groceries. So Kathleen comes up, and the checker, who is a strawberry blonde, um, freckled, very delightful, warm, um, the, the checker, this young woman, is talking to Kathleen. Hey, how you doing? Isn't it a nice day today? They're just chatting up. And she says, yeah, so Kathy writes her, her check, and she steps off to the side with her groceries because she's waiting for me. Of course, again, Kathleen looks white, right? So I come up. No conversation. She looks up at me. Absolutely no, just a little chatter. And uh, I write my check. My daughter, however, is 10, notices immediately the difference in how she responds to me. So I write my check. And she goes, I'm going to need two pieces of ID. At which point, my daughter looks at me. She gets very, very embarrassed, and tears are, are, are kind of come up in her eye, like, "Mommy, you're not gonna, you're not gonna let her do this. Why is she doing this to us, right?" So I'm trying to figure out what I should do, because behind me are two elderly white women, right? And I'm thinking, okay. So then I become the angry black woman, right? And they're gonna be, and I just, I'm, I'm just trying to second guess all the drama. So then I, I just give her the two pieces of ID. I said, you know, some things you gotta choose your battles, right? Then it gets worse. She pulls out the bad check book. Right? So the, this is the book that shows the people who have written bad checks. So she starts searching for my license in the bad checks, at which point it's just out of control now. Just as I'm standing there um, trying to decide what to do, and it's really deeply humiliating. Now my, my daughter is in full-blown emotionally upset, who's 10. My sister-in-law walks back over. And she steps in and she says, excuse me, why are you doing this? And the checker goes, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean? She goes, why are you taking her through all of these changes? Why are you doing that? She goes, well, um, this is our policy. She goes, no, it's not your policy because you didn't do that with me. Oh, well, I know you. You've been. She goes, no, no, she's been here for years. I've only lived here for three months.
And so at this point, the two white elderly ladies go, oh, I can't believe what this checker has done with this woman. It is totally unacceptable. At which point, the manager walks over. So the manager walks over and says, is there a problem here? And then my sister-in-law again responds. She goes, yes, there is a problem here. Here is what happened. So you see, she used her white privilege. And even though Kathleen is half black and half white, she recognizes what that means. And she made the statement. She pointed out the injustice. And she, as a result of that one act, influenced everyone in that space. But what would have happened? I can't know for certain had the black woman said, this is unfair. Why are you doing this to me? Would it have had the same impact? But Kathleen knew that she walked through the world differently than I did. And she used her white privilege to educate and make right a situation. It's half black, half white, but looks white. Blue eyes, whiter than most white folks. I am in control of my energy. I'm in control of what I choose to give my energy to, no matter how I'm feeling. Why J.D. Pritzker is not afraid or not answering Joy's Gaza question. Because as much as that's a problem for the White House and young voters, what do they have on the other side? Abortion. And an overwhelming amount of young people are going to get up and go. Five things I've learned now that I've come to Ireland. Five. Number one, if you are suffering from lack of somebody caring about you, get on a plane right now mm -hmm. and come to Dublin. Mm -hmm. I've never been loved and cared about like this in my entire life. The way people love and like you here rivals the way my mama cared about me. Soon as I got off the plane, hey Josh, how you doing? People that didn't even know me spoke, made sure I was okay. Somebody asked for my health okay. Somebody asked for my cholesterol, what my cholesterol was like. People here are so kind. Now, I know what people gonna say. What part of Ireland was he in? People are that kind of people? No. Everything was nice. Everybody was so complimented. Everybody was so friendly. And everybody was so inviting. I got invited to 147 houses for dinner, brunch, and them little muffins with the salami on top. <laughs> I don't want to leave because they have huge hearts here. Huge hearts here. Number two, Ireland is beautiful. Now, I don't know where you from. I don't know what you've seen, but this thing is the most beautiful. I've never seen leaves this green. I've never seen buildings this red. I've never seen flowers this beautiful. Everything is absolutely gorgeous in Ireland, bruh. I flushed the toilet, and I had to, I had to stop and stare at the water go down because I was like, I've never seen water go down a toilet bowl like this. The women are gorgeous, and they have no clue how beautiful they are. They show way too much humility. Bruh, if you want a sight for sore eyes, if you want permanent eye candy, get on a plane and come to Ireland. Tourism of Ireland, y'all hook me up. Number three, <laughs> prepare to have the best food of your life. Now, I am from a place where beef and chicken is cooked the absolute best. America, we hold it down with the food. I've never eaten a piece of beef that you can cut with the back of a spoon. Bruh, their water tastes like air. When I say tastes like air, it just makes you want to doop, 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 doop. And let me tell y'all something. Irish people got this stuff called strawberry jam. I don't know where it come from. I don't know what they do to their strawberry jam. I don't know what they do to their jam. But you can eat this jam on everything. You put this jam on bread. You put this jam on meat. You can put this jam on your body if you want to have a baby tomorrow. Their <laughs> jam is so good. 
I can't stop eating this bread with the salami with the jam on the side. I put the bread and the salami together. I dip it in the jam and I eat. <laughs> they got some good jam. Number four, Irish sports is not a game. It's a rite of passage. Now, while in some <laughs> countries, most kids grow up, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer. Nah, over here, the little boys want to play hurling, the little girls want to play camogie, the little boys want to play Gaelic football, the little girls want to play Gaelic football. When you grow up in Ireland, they are dead serious about their sports, and they good at it, too. I met a little nine-year-old Irish girl named Ava. Freckles, red hair, she was the toughest little cookie I've ever seen. If I had to get into a bar fight at any club with anybody, I'm going to Ava house. Hey, Mr. Ava, Daddy, I need your daughter to come with me because I know she's going to have my back. The people in Ireland are so passionate about their sport, and you've got to play. If you don't play, you probably can't get married. And number five, although respectful, people in Ireland are dead set about where they're from. I know when I grew up, you got to represent where you're from. I never thought outside of America people could act like us. Bruh, Dublin, the blue, love the blue. Carry up the kingdom, they love kingdom. Temporary, Clendonkin, they love where they from. If you come here, you better understand that where you from is very important. And where you from gonna win whatever y'all do. Carry, we're supposed to have a chance in the Gaelic Football All-Ireland Finals. They showed up and showed out. Hill 16 was going on. And then you got people over there saying, Josh, how did you get a ticket to the best game? Because it's like getting a golden ticket to challenge the catch the fabric. I say because I'm representing the dubs. Dubs up. But then the Kerry people looked at me and said, what you mean? Y'all said kingdom up. Then the Dublin people looked at me and I said Ireland up. Then they came down. Ireland is a field of dreams. When the Lord made the earth, he put his hand on Hawaii. I'm going to keep the party jumping in the West Coast. Then he put his other hand on Ireland. I'm going to keep the party jumping on the East. Up Ireland. Tourism of Ireland, thank you, thank you. Right now, there is a quiet but well-funded campaign led by the most powerful anti-abortion groups in the country that is focused entirely on pressuring and forcing women to carry doomed pregnancies to term. They're not only trying to do away with exceptions for non-viable pregnancies, they're trying to oh eradicate God, these prenatal testing altogether. It's a lot easier to force women Whoa. to carry a dying fetus to term if they never get diagnosed to begin with. Wow. When I tell people about why this, people are the crazy. question I get asked most often is why? Why would anyone want to deliberately create a world where women are forced to be walking coffins? It is inexplicable until you understand that this has nothing to do with families or babies, but enforcing a worldview that says it's women's job to be pregnant and to stay pregnant, no matter what the cost or consequence. But because Republicans don't have the bravery to admit that truth, and because they're afraid of voters who are more pro-choice than ever, they lie. Right now, there is a quiet but well-funded campaign led by the most powerful anti-abortion groups in the country that is focused entirely on pressuring and forcing women to carry doomed pregnancies to term. They're not only trying to do away with exceptions for non-viable pregnancies, they're trying to eradicate prenatal testing altogether. It's a lot easier to force women to carry a dying fetus to term if they never get diagnosed to begin with. When I tell people about this, the question I get asked most often is why? 